Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Happy Tuesday. Oh my gosh, have we got a lot going on today on the Wise Guys, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. Uh, let's just jump right into, it's kind of a stressful day at Cougar Nation with with uh, the transfer portal opening and um, coaches moving on and coming in and anticipation of some names floating around. Uh, there's a bowl game next week, a basketball yeah. game tomorrow night. And a basketball game Saturday. All right, let's jump in. Yeah, so hey, BYU's bowl invite. Let's start with that. Let's start with like good things that people get excited about. Um, the Cougars know who they're going to play now um, and where they're going to be, when it is and where. Even the time just switched on this thing. So uh, we'll fill you in on all of those details of where when, who, maybe even how. Fill them in on yeah, how? let's throw a how in there. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Legendary receiver at BYU and Bears broadcaster Glenn Kozlowski going to join us live. His catch in the back of the end zone against Michigan was monumental in BYU winning the 1984 National Championship. We've been counting down the days to have Koz on. He's on tonight. Yes, we have. Hey, rebound week for Cougar basketball. We call it that? Can we call it rebound week? We better call <laughs> it rebound need week. need a rebound, right? <laughs> How about UVU tomorrow in the Marriott Center? Mark Madsen brings his team up. Been, been studying since you and I are doing that game. That they're a little bit scary to me. They got a seven footer. Yeah, they, and they can play way above the rim, and so it's yeah they've got some size. They got some guys that can shoot it. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, UVU tomorrow, and then and then uh, it doesn't get any easier. How about um, a trip down to Vegas uh, to meet Creighton? Uh, in Vegas on Saturday. They That's, were number seven uh, like two weeks ago. Now they're number 21. Right. But, uh, but a very, very good basketball team. We're going to visit live with Ernie Kuyper, president of Sports Network LLC, the promoter of Saturday night's game at Mandalay Bay. Uh, how challenging is it to put together a game like this? Plus, we have tickets. We're going to give out three pairs of two throughout our show tonight. And we're going to have a graphic pop up here in a little bit that will say uh, first person on YouTube or Twitch or wiseguys.com that says uh, tickets please uh, you'll win two seats but remember and here it is right here we'll give out two right now remember it's in Las Vegas Right. So you need to be kind of in Las Vegas uh, or driving how, to Vegas to go to this game. How many do we have game. to give away? We have three sets of two. Okay, so so three times during the show, we'll, we'll tell you. And this is and number this, one. Are we doing one right now? Let's just do it right now while it's up. Yeah, but please remember, there you go. There's the tickets, yeah. please. Please remember, it's in Vegas. Right? So our guys, our admin's gonna gonna email you. And uh, who was that first up that said tickets, please? It's B T E. It's B. It's B T Edmonds. B T Edmonds. Okay. Hey, congrats. Uh, hang with us. We're going to give Edmonds, away some more. You, you remember, it's in Vegas, right? That's yeah, not the Marriott Center. And so. uh, all right, so our guys will take care of you. We'll do that twice more during the show. Exciting. Okay. So starting off, starting off the. Hey, how about former BYU pitcher um, and major leaguer Michael Rucker? He just finished an outstanding season with the Chicago Cubs. He's going to join us um, live a bit later. Um, we'll ask him like, what it's like to pitch against guys like Aaron Judge. How about that? Yeah. That's going to be awesome. That'd be great. All right. 
The wait continues for the Big 12 as we look at our headlines tonight. We thought it might be last Thursday. That's what we had been uh, kind of told. Mm-hmm. December 1 was the target date. And then the night before, the Big 12 said, hey, it's going to be a little longer, maybe mm-hmm. mid, mid-December, mid which is next week. So uh, the wait continues. The first Big 12 game will be September 23rd in either Provo or on the road. And we are on pins and needles. Yep, it'll be fun. I all I care. I'm just gonna go right down the thing and see <laughs> if Oklahoma is gonna be in town. That's my only wish for the first season. I want Oklahoma in Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the inaugural season of the Big Twelve. Anything else, I don't really care. About. I'm on board with that. Absolutely. Um, and then, and you said you. I, I want seven home games, but you're saying you're okay if there's if there's six. And then play one in Vegas. That's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm. Yeah. Seven's yeah. good. Seven prices out a lot of folks. Yeah, uh, but if you do six and then you throw your bonus game in Vegas and and charge tickets outside of the season ticket package, yeah, yeah, I think that's one way you can do okay. it. Okay, well that we'll that, see. We'll see how it goes. So, how about the New Mexico Bowl? Let's talk about that a little more. BYU versus SMU in the New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque. That's Saturday, December seventeenth. Uh, this is BYU's fortieth bowl game, which is pretty cool, and it comes against the program that gave BYU its first bowl victory in nineteen. How about that? The 40th anniversary, uh, or 40th bowl participation, yeah. and it's back against the team that they won their first one. And by the way, that was that 46-45, the Miracle Bowl, uh, with, oh, yeah. with Jim McMahon bringing him back from 20 down with like three minutes to go in the game. True classic. Uh, unbelievable. Um, so so SMU's the uh, the opponent. Pretty fun opponent, really. They're, they're, uh, both teams are 7-5, and five, um, and... SMU has wins against North Texas, Lamar, Navy, Tulsa, Houston, South Florida, and Memphis. But here's here's what I want people to hear. Here were their scores, the, the number of points <laughs> that they scored in their wins. 49, 45, 40, 45, 41, 39. And listen to this one. Are, are, are you ready for this? 77. Wow. They beat Houston 77-63. to 63. That's not a basketball score, Houston folks. is the number one basketball team. They don't even score 77 yeah. points. 77-63 in a football game. Their losses are to Maryland, TCU, Central Florida. So, Big Ten and two new Big 12 teams. Cincinnati, another Big 12 team. Yep. And then Tulane. Um, here's their scores in their losses, the, the points that they scored in their losses. 34-34, 19 against Central Florida, 27 Cincinnati and 24 against Tulane. So so even when they lose their average scores like 28 points. When if you if you you could even throw out the 77 and they're averaging like in the high 40s in the games that they win. So what am I expecting in this game? SMU's going to be throwing the football all over the place. Um, I think this is going to be a really entertaining high octane offensive football game. Let's hope. Let's I, don't think, hope. I don't think either team can stop the other. You know who's going to help us break it all down next week on the Wise Guys? Yes. Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmers. That's right. We're he'll, excited he'll, about he'll, that. We'll, we'll talk about quarterback play with him, and I think Ty actually likes that kind of game. Don't you think he does? I think so. I think they're fun to play, and everyone seems to have a good time. Yeah, so there's, there's a little bit about the New Mexico Bowl for you. BYU Sports Nation game day will start at 530 Eastern, 330 Mountain on December 17th on BYU TV from University Stadium in Albuquerque and from our studios here in Provo. The Cougars and Mustangs play at 730 Eastern, 530 Mountain on ABC, coast to coast and around the world with a live postgame show to follow on BYU TV. When the game was announced, this was an ESPN afternoon game right but then things changed right it's what what do they call it they flexed it yeah they flexed (laughs) the game nbc said raiders 
We don't want you on Sunday night because you're not that good, uh, even though your running back's been great on my fantasy mm-hmm. team. He's good. Uh, so they said, Raiders and Patriots, you're going back to the day schedule. The Las Vegas Bowl was scheduled for the night before at Allegiant Stadium. But the NFL requires more time to change over the field from college to pro than a night game can provide. So the Las Vegas Bowl swapped with the New Mexico Bowl. They take the 12-10 mountain time kick, and then BYU moves to prime time, which I'm okay with. It'll be a little cooler in Albuquerque, but more eyeballs. Yeah, and, and here's the people were asking me today, why is it taking so long to get a stadium ready? And I'm going, here's what you don't remember about Allegiant Field. They have two different surfaces. So the Raiders play on a grass surface. The entire field is on like rail cars. Yeah, like it's parked, a, it's parked yeah. out back. So they push it out outside of the stadium, out through a slot. They water it out there. It grows in the sun. They mow it out there. And they roll it in for the Raiders games. They have another field that's the field gra- turf. The grass they grow in North Las Vegas right. is a different kind of exactly. grass. This is not the NFL grass so, we're talking about. So... This is a field turf. It's it's artificial surface. Yeah. And when they have a college game or some big event, it's a lot more durable. Um, the NFL athletes like to play. Everybody likes to play a natural grass. But they take that natural grass field out. They roll in the uh, um, the artificial surface field. And the bowl game will be played on an artificial surface. So that's what takes so much time yeah. to get all of that set up. So there's a, there's a real reason why they had to flex that game. I like that the, the tonight game. Uh, and I like that it's BYU's on ABC. Better at night, right? We're better at night for sure. Um, but for the first time, I think in history, and I could be wrong here, but I think uh, the BYU men's basketball team hosts Utah September, uh, December 17th at four o'clock mountain time. It's on the CBS Sports Network, so it's not like we can move it. Right. So that game's going to be going on when our pregame show's on, and it's still going to be going on when they kick the bowl game off. Right. And so. You expect a full house at the Marriott Center for the rivalry game. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the football game's on. And that's a conflict that we just haven't seen happen. Yeah. So here's what What are you going to do? Here's what we recommend. So everybody has the picture-in-picture. Just put the Utah-BYU basketball game in your picture-in-picture with no no volume. Because you don't want to listen to those CBS guys anyhow. Then put the pregame show on on the other half of the screen and listen to us. (laughs) Perfect. Solution. That, that's my suggestion. Or get a second TV and, and do that. A lot of folks have yeah. those, too. We're so, excited about it. We're ready with Kalani, uh, DJ. Let's hear from the head football coach as he kicked off a, a week of bowl prep uh, yesterday. Do you want to just start off with an opening statement? We can kind of move on to some questions from there. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you, Ryan. The uh, you know Just uh, really excited um, about our bowl game and, and, and knowing that We've been invited to the New Mexico Bowl. We're looking forward to being out there in Albuquerque and and the playing in this game December 17th. And uh, really honored that we get we're invited to this bowl game. Um, I know that there's some, been some history with our, our program playing in the bowl game before the last year in, the, in in as a Mountain West team, and now this will be our last year in, in Independence before we move on to a conference next year. So really excited about the the matchup, especially with SMU. Uh, I think the world of, of that program and and what Rhett Lashley's done with that program and, and uh, watching them on film. They, they have tons of talent, and I just like the way they, 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 they compete. Um, really honored to be on the field with them and to, to have this experience with the bowl game with them as well. I know there'll be festivities and things like that where we, we get to um, you know, 
be around each other. And, and, and uh, I know we're going to compete uh, on the field, but looking forward to getting knowing them and the coaching staff and, and the players as well. Just uh, really honored to be on that game in that game against a quality opponent. Uh, it's it's uh, you, you see their team and what they've done, and they they do it in all three phases. They're really well coached, and um, you know they're explosive all over the place. I mean, I I'm a defensive guy, so I always go look right at the offense. And the fact that they've scored 77 points in the game is scary, you know. But uh, looking forward to the matchup, and then a really talented quarterback in Mordecai, and and um, they they have a bunch of guys that can run the ball. Um, uh, that they can turn to, and, and they, they do spread out the run game quite a bit with all of them, inc- including the quarterback himself. And then they have a, a lot of athletic, uh, talented receivers that can create uh, on on a, on, a, on a short route. They can they can make the game, uh, they can they can make it a long long night for any team. So, um, and then they have you know Rice. He, he's got almost 100 receptions, which is. Uh, hard to do in, in this day and age in, in, in football, and he's he's one of the premier receivers out there. So uh, a tough task for our defense, but we're looking forward to the matchup. Uh, the defense, they fly around and, and well, well coached, and obviously all three phases, I, I don't see a lot of uh, issues, and a lot of, I, I see a well coached team. So I'm looking forward to the matchup and, and excited with this matchup with SMU. Um, our, our guys are excited about the opportunity to get to practice and to get better as a team, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be ready for this game and then enjoy all the festivities. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a food guy, so it seems like every food show I look at, the, the, the things there there in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I'm looking forward to the, the wonderful food and, and gaining some weight while I'm out there. Head coach Kalani Sataki, uh, his initial thoughts on the Las Vegas Bowl. We'll break down the game in greater detail next week. But just before we came on the air, Northern Colorado made it official. They've hired Ed Lamb as their new head football coach. So he leaves Kalani's staff and, uh, and, and returns. Uh, he was a head coach at Southern Utah, came up to kind of help Kalani figure out how to be a head coach, and now he's back being a head coach. Congrats to him and Sarah and all the kids uh, yeah, he, uh, he, off to Northern Ed, Colorado. Ed made some significant contributions to this BYU program, and, and people have been asking me today since this news came out. Uh, and and for, I think he was a finalist for the UNLV job too. So, so Ed's name was out there, and he's been the finalist for a number of jobs over the Hawaii, last year. Yeah, and it's been it's been the first runner-up kind of a thing. And I, Northern Colorado came after him really, really hard. Um, and if you think about it, he he took over a program at Southern Utah that had really been struggling, and um, he turned it around quickly to to where they were conference champs. Like he he's a big you know he he took a team that struggled to be conference champs at that level in that league. Northern Colorado looks at that and says. Whoa, man, this guy knows the formula. And I do think he knows the formula. I think yeah. he'll go in there, and I bet they'll be very competitive very quickly and be competing for championships as a terrific head coach. And Kalani, in his first head coaching gig, um, he wanted to have somebody like Ed who had gone into a program, had to build all the infrastructure and put practice, like just to understand how to just run a program. Um, he, he brought Ed in to be the assistant head coach and to help him set everything up. And Ed was an integral part of doing all of that. And I think, so here you are all these years later, Kalani's got a great grasp of all that now. And, and I think it was like, well, for Ed now, he'd done, he'd done exactly what Kalani wanted him to come in to do. And now it was time for him to go back to be a head coach. And I will tell you this. If Ed can duplicate what he did at Southern Utah, at Northern Colorado, then these jobs where he's been the first runner-up, like these Mountain West Conference jobs or maybe even bigger jobs than some of those, they're going to go, wait a minute. This guy took over two struggling programs, and he brought, brought them both to championships. If he can do that, which I think he can at Northern Colorado, 
You, you watch him get a, get a bigger job. I, I think Ed's an excellent head coach. He'll do a great yeah. job. There. We wish him the best. Uh, there's other names being kicked around as to who's going to join the staff. We'll talk about that a bit later. Also, the transfer portal is open, and Jacob Conover and a couple of Cougars are in it. We'll talk about that as well. We're going to go right to the Wise Guys portal, which we find to be uh, you know one of the great places to be. We've been counting down for weeks. To this very moment, we welcome one of the all-time greats at BYU. Played receiver in 1981 and 1983 through 1985. Caught passes from Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, and at least one pass from Blaine Fowler. Oh, he caught a few. He caught a few. He also spent eight seasons with the Chicago Bears and remains a broadcaster in the Chicago market on WGN. A pleasure to welcome Glenn Kozlowski to the Wise Guys. Glenn, good evening. Thanks for being with us. There. You know, I got a face for radio and a voice for newspapers. So, <laughs> honestly, you know, can you see me? Because, really, I don't want people to see me. I'm just a kind of an ugly, uh, overweight we see guy. You. We <laughs> see you just fine. Perfect. Now, you've traded Chicago winners for Utah winners as you're living back out here. What, what was the coldest winter you ever went through back there in Chicago? Well, I mean, in 88, we played the 49ers. Um in the NFC championship game. And it was bears weather, right? It was 27 below. Oh, and of course man. they beat us 21 to seven. So, you know, bears <laughs> weather really didn't matter. They had a guy named Jerry Rice and another guy named Joe Montana. And they beat us that day. And that's how it works. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it was funny cause it was so cold that I, I put my uh, cleats up against the uh, heaters and it melted everything. And my cleats, I just basically put on tennis shoes in the second half because there was no way I was going to be able to do anything. Certainly in your years there, Kaz, you had more than one game where it was cold and snowy. And that's just Chicago. Did you you ever think, what in the heck am I doing here? Why am I not playing for, for the Niners or in San Diego? What am I doing in Chicago? Did you ever question that with that kind of weather? No, I was just happy to play, honestly, Blaine. I, as you know, I mean, I blew my knee out my senior year, and I didn't know if I'd ever play again. You know, back then, nobody came back from the injury. I tore all my ligaments, broke my kneecap. Um, you know, Brent Prattley, our team doctor at the time, did a really good job of, um, you know, laying back and and putting uh, stitches in my meniscus so I was able to play so I was very fortunate and you know what every day that I got to play for Chicago I was thrilled to death because you know I thought it was over and uh, you know I got a second lease Dick loved me and you know the rest is history but yeah I made my living on special teams but one of the things I'll say about Blaine too people don't realize this Blaine and Robbie were probably the two best quarterbacks, you know, I mean, besides Jim McMahon, I'm going to say that because Jim was the best I ever played with, but these two guys went at it in spring, uh, spring practice. And I think they did a coin toss to figure out who was going to start. And the only regret I have is I wish I could have sent Blaine on a mission because he would have been an unbelievable starting quarterback for BYU, but you know, the rest is history. And I'm proud of what he's accomplished. And, you know, he actually, he and I are going to be a trivia question, right? That's right. That's right. Tell them, tell them that. Like we're an obscure trivia, right? You and I together, right? Cause yes. hundred percent. First pass ever completed in 1984. Cause uh, Blaine came in and he was uh, the tailback. They flipped it to him. I think Chris Doman crushed you. Yeah. Right in my chin. (laughs) Put put a big knot on my chin for sure. I I mean, just, Ten-toed plane, and he threw it out there, and I, you know, I was a little, little slow, and I had to dive to catch it. Ended up breaking my other elbow when I caught it. So, 
you know, that was the year. And, uh, you know, honestly, I look back on it now and, you know, I'm just proud of all my teammates and especially Blaine, what he's done in his career and what he's doing now. And, you know, I get to watch you guys all the time and I really enjoy your guys' show. Thank you. Not only only was that the first catch of that undefeated season, it was the first pass reception in the history of ESPN's live sports. Yes, it was. You're right. I forgot about that. We were the first, uh, you know, national broadcast for ESPN. So, Blaine and I will always be in the uh, trivia side of things. There we go. And Kaz came came back to me, and he's like, dude, could you not have made a little bit better throw? I had to die for that one. And I says, Kaz, you don't know the dudes that just hit me. And then we we watched it on film, and Kaz was like, you know what? I guess that was okay. You you did get smacked in the face on that one. I'll give you that. Oh, he got crushed. And it it really caught him off guard. And honestly, uh, I mean, the fact that he even threw it. And then, of course, we got lucky because I think Dave Mills and I broke uh, Chris Dolman's ankle. Like, yes. uh, You know, the next series later, I hit him high and, and, uh, you know, Dave hit him uh, low and it was over for him for the day. But, so, so Kaz, you know, it worked out for us. You, I, I, you probably remember. Do you remember the game where um, uh, Kyle Van Noy just took over the bowl game down in San Diego? And, and I had said, I had never seen a defensive guy control a football game single-handedly like that, except for... Chris Dolman at the beginning of our Pittsburgh game until Kaz and Millsy knocked him out. We, we literally yeah. couldn't move the ball because of him, right? He was like single-handedly stopping us, right? Well, remember, Robbie's first pass ended up in the third row of the uh, uh, Pittsburgh side of the stadium. I mean, he just floated this thing. It was a little hitch. And he literally, <laughs> and he was throwing it, I, I believe it was to me, or maybe it was Mark Bellini, and Mark just looked at it and just followed it. And, you know, I'm looking at it going, Wow, that is, you know, we're thinking this is going to be a long day, but it, it turned out to be okay. And, you know, the cool part about it is, and Blaine, you understand this. I look at BYU this year. Um, they didn't have confidence. And when you lose confidence, um, you start losing games. And it really was apparent this year. And, you know, I don't know how you regain it, but you and I both know that when we played, we thought we could beat everyone. We wanted to play everyone. And please, you know, sign us up because we'll go wherever you want to. And we just believe that we're going to beat everyone, and that's why we did. I mean, really, would you not agree, Blaine? Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy is if you expect to win. And, and, and Glenn, you, we talk about this, and sometimes I talk about it with, with the guys that are there now. Um, you kind of have to have the mentality, like even if you get down in a game early, um, you'll remember, Glenn, we, we get down in a game and we'd go, well, this isn't going to last. Like, we will absolutely come back. Nobody can beat us. I don't care if we're down by 14. We'll figure out a way to come back and, and win. And even when we would occasionally lose, we would say to ourselves, well, that's just an aberration. That's just not right. That'll never happen again. Well, we won't lose again. And, and you almost have to approach games with that mentality to play free and to play loose and to play fast. And, and that's, a, that's a hard mentality to get. I don't know why we had it in such abundance. I mean, and you've well, been, we you've were been, all cocky, Blaine. That's Let's true. But, but I mean, you, every you, one of us thought we were the best. You, you've, been at, you've been at this a long time. Not only did you play at the highest level, you, you've coached in high school very successfully. You and Sluggo, Dave Mills, coached yep. together. Yeah. What, yep. what, what kinds of things can you do to instill that in a team? Because – you know and I know how unbelievably important that mentality is that you are just going to win no matter what. 
Right. And I mean, I, I think about, I look back on it now and I'm going, man, we just, I remember in Hawaii, we were down seven. There was like two minutes to go and the, there was four people just giving it to me the whole game, right? They were right behind our bench. So they were like, hey, Kozlowski, what are you going to do now? I said, well, I'm going to go down and score with the rest of the team. And of course we did, right? <laughs> Robbie threw a pass, I caught it. And then I, when I came off and I looked at him, I was taking a drink. They all four stood up and started clap, clapping and said, you guys are out of your minds, but you're cool to watch. And it was, you know, that was kind of it. I mean, we just never thought we would lose. And, you know, we just, uh, we believed in each other. And to this day, you know, we still keep in touch with each other. And, you know, I think the one thing that really separated our, you know, 84 was we, we genuinely loved each other. And I think that still holds true today. And Blaine's shaking his head, but I'm telling you, Dave, it was uh, it was unique, but we never, ever thought we were going to lose a game. And, you know, we would fight with each other half the time. Mark Bellini, uh, Adam Haysbert. So I had the ability to go to either X or Z. And so I'd hear the play call and then I'd jump to the other side and believe me, <laughs> and I would be fighting in the huddle because everybody thought they could make the play. And I mean, that was it. And, you know, listen, Blaine comes in. We're going to make plays. In fact, he kept my streak alive in uh, uh, 84 because you threw the only pass to me against Tulsa. Right? That's right. That's I right. And, of course, I hurt myself, and then I had to go, <laughs> go out. But, yeah, you know, it was – it is funny as I look back on it now. It's just um, – you know, it was unique. Uh, we just loved each other, and quite frankly, we just wanted to play football, and we thought we could beat everyone. One of our live streamers tonight, uh, Mike Z, just me, uh, said, Glenn, my younger brother served his mission in Chicago and had several meals at Jim McMahon's house. <laughs> was Jim hosting the missionaries the missionaries? Oh, yeah. I mean, Nancy was, you know, Nancy was active, and Julie yeah. and her were really close. And Jim, you know, the weird part about it is, the elders would show up and Jim would be in his thong uh, bikini body and <laughs> cutting grass with no shirt on. Right. And these poor missionaries are looking at him like, Oh, what am I doing? And, you know, uh, um, Julie and I would go over and we'd have dinner with them, but Jim was, you know, he still is, you know, he's a big supporter of the missionaries always was in Chicago and, and did a great job of just, you know, if you were from BYU or you were a missionary, Jim was, Jim was good with it. That's cool. I read a quote where you once said, looking back uh, on your career, being at BYU changed my life. What did you mean by that? Well, Blaine will understand this. We are all a bunch of idiots. I remember Blaine as a freshman. He had always let me we in. Were in the dor- we were in the dorms I- together, Glenn and I were. <laughs> yeah. you know, Blaine was my knock on the window. Robbie would never get up, but Blaine would get up and let me in at three in the morning or whatever time it was. And he'd be like, okay, get upstairs and, you know, don't be an idiot. I'm like, thanks, Blaine. You know, so, um, I tried you guys. I tried everybody. It sounds out there, like I tried. you really tried. So, so Robbie and I were on the first floor. Glenn was, you're on the second floor. Or right. we on, yeah. And, and back in those days, the dorms, they would lock you out at midnight. There was a curfew. And, and, and plus I think cause lost his, his, uh, key. So never fails. Yeah, That's what we're going to go with. Yeah. I like that never, story. Never Blake. fails. I, he didn't get it taken away. He just lost it. And, <laughs> and never fail like one, two, maybe three in the morning to be tap on the window. And we're on the ground floor and Robbie would go, it's cause I am not getting up. And I would go, I'm getting up. And so I would get up and, <laughs> yeah. and, and cause would go, can you meet me down at the end and let me in? I'm like, I got you brother. <laughs> And I would yeah. go down and let him in, and I would go, please just go up to your room and don't cause a ruckus so Sister Pierce yeah. doesn't come down on me too, right? Yeah, 
Yep, 100%. And the other thing I remember about Blaine is he'd be in front of the piano just playing away. And he, I mean, he has a he has a great voice. People don't realize Blaine is talented musically as well, but he'd sing his little guts out and I just wanted to punch him because all the girls would be like, oh, look at him. <laughs> I don't know Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, Kaz could sing too. He could sing uh, too. I couldn't sing, but I can sing <laughs> in the shower, and you always sound better in the shower. By the way, just FYI. Yeah. Well, well, so so we were we were there together as freshmen, and then, and and lots of people know a bit about your story, but 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 it really did change your life because because things weren't all rosy and great. At, at first, there they were great on the football field for you. Um, Jim loved you as a receiver as a freshman. You'd come in early, and you and you were already contributing out on the field. And then things changed for a period of time. But you didn't you didn't quit on BYU. You went through some struggles and came back and finished what you started. T- tell us a little bit about that and what that was like, and what made you just stick with it and come back. Well, number one, the little blonde that I was dating, um, who is now my wife, she was pretty straightforward on the fact that she wasn't going with me. I was going to go to the uh, University of Miami and, you know, they were all set to take me and I would set up a job for her. And she said, you know what, I'm not going to marry a guy or, you know, date a guy that doesn't have the courage to stand up and come back and make it right. And, um, you know, apparently you had to go to school, which I didn't realize, you know, yeah, my first. It semester, is a requirement. And you shouldn't break all of the rules and make up some new rules. Right. So that, uh, so, you know, I, I paid the price and Lavelle called me and he said, look, um, we love you, but you gotta, you know, you gotta become a man. And I really appreciated it. So between Lavelle, Norm Chow, um, you know, my old teammates, I mean, everybody was still reaching out. And of course my lovely wife, Julie said, um, uh, no, I'm not going with you. So I said, okay, I'll come back, make it right. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. We actually had three kids um, before we left, or two, and the third was in the in the oven at the time when I left BYU. So, you know, it was the greatest experience. I actually went to, to class and, you know, got an education. We all hung out together. Blaine and I were living in Plymouth Terrace in the same, uh, you know, <laughs> Kids, our whatever. kids were riding their big wheels around nice. the quad in the morning. Yep. yep. My son, especially Brent, my oldest boy, you know, he was like two years old and he had the big wheel and he'd get out at five in the morning and ride that quad. Notorious for waking playing. up everybody in the quad at 5 a.m. Yeah, but at least you got up for school, right? Yes. So he, yes. I, <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, I'm grateful that my sons had that opportunity, all of them to go to BYU, whether it was BYU, Idaho, or, you know, BYU Provo, it was, um, you know, it's something that changes your life. And, we're all better people because of it, but it did start with Lavelle and then, you know, good guys like Blaine, we were all in that same class together and, and we just hung up, hung out and just had a good time. Vice Sikahima, he's in the red seats now. So, you know, he <laughs> can't right. come on anymore. I'm guessing, right? Oh, no, we, we, we got to get we him on, but we have to get permission. About him, right, boys? Y'all, we get, the, the story, we're not allowed to, once you get in the red seats, <laughs> yeah, then we have to put those stories in the past about sealed. Vi. Yeah, so. I don't even remember any stories about Vi anymore. But yeah, it, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, was, it was a great time. And honestly, um, anybody that goes to BYU and they, they stick through it and they uh, get through it, uh, you know, they end up leaving after four years. It's the best thing that you'll ever do. 
It really is. We're visiting with uh, former BYU and Chicago Bears receiver Glenn Kozlowski on The Wise Guys. Isn't it interesting that decisions, even at a young age, can have a, such a lasting impact on everything that lies up ahead? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, let's, like I said, uh, people don't really understand that competition between Blaine and Robbie. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably over uh, talking about this, but it was, you know, it was a thing of beauty. And, you know, the tough part for Blaine and Robbie is our defense was so good in that spring. Remember, we couldn't even get a first down for like two weeks. I mean, they were just pummeling us. And I was fighting with everybody on the defense, right? Because I'm like, we've got to get at least the first down. So I'm going to get in a fight with everyone until we got <laughs> it. But it took us about two weeks. Yeah, and it's hey, uh, you know, Glenn leaving and then coming back. People talk about Glenn. You, you watched Jamal Williams, and he, and he had a similar similar um, story to yours, where where Julie said, "Hey, I want you to come back," and you were resolute and said, "I'm coming back. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to finish what I started, and I'm going to do it with a flourish." So he started out, you know, um, Glenn started out great. He was phenomenal as a freshman, one of the best freshman receivers we'd ever had. But then he came at, back. After, after being gone, and he, and he made a mark where he leaves as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. I, I think you remember, Glenn, that, that Jamal Williams came, and he left school, and UCLA and USC, much like Miami was recruiting him, Miami was the best program in the country at the time. So when Glenn says he had an opportunity to go to right. Miami, he had, a, he had an opportunity to go to the multinational championship program, right, um, during that time, much like Jamal. Jamal's mom said, uh-uh, you committed – I, I want you to go finish what you said you were going to start, much like the conversation you had with Julie. And, and Jamal said, nope, you're right, Mom. That's what I need to do. That's, what, that's, what, that's the right thing to do. So he got things right. He came back to BYU, and he leaves one of the all-time greats in BYU history. Now yeah. he's representing BYU in the NFL in a, in a yeah. phenomenal way. But, Glenn, you were the first guy that did that. And, he, and, and people forget about that. I want people to remember that you did that and 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 now Jamal has done that. They're two really similar stories, right? Yeah, and uh, even Re Reno Mahe, same yes. thing, right? Yes. So there have been a few guys along the way that have gone through it. Um, but you know what? Lavelle was such a big part for me. Um, and, you know, Blaine will say the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Dave Mills, to this day, when we talk about Lavelle, he literally, you call him Sluggo, bless his heart. Um, he, he tears up talking about Lavelle. That's how important he was to all of us. And, you know, he kind of just set the pace for us. We were all a bunch of idiots, but we loved playing <laughs> football. And he kept us in line and kept us going. And, you know, truthfully, when it was all said and done, we all look back now and just go, wow. You know, I don't know how we survived it, but we did. And we're all better men for it. And so that is really what BYU offers. And I hope you know, as they move into the, uh, what are we calling it? Big, now, 12. Big 12. Yeah, still yeah. Big 12, yeah. You know, they might add 14, who knows? You know, whatever it's going to happen. Um, that's still the feeling. And I feel like Kalani is doing that. He's trying to reestablish what Lavelle did. And, you know, I, nobody could ever duplicate him, right, Blaine? I mean, right. he was the one of the kind. He was basically, he ran it, you know, he now that I'm an active member of the LDS Church, you know, he'd give us personal priesthood interviews, even though we thought it was just our exit interview. And he would <laughs> give it to you all the time. And, I mean, it was so funny. You know, like I had a standing Monday morning with Lavelle, then Glenn Tuckett, and then I had to go up to President Holland's office because I got scolded for swearing or whatever. You know, I was an idiot. I mean, I just was. And, you know, it was uh, that process of working with those great men 
um, really helped me to grow up and become a, a better man myself. So yeah, it's, you know, you can't, you just can't uh, say enough about what that experience is. And I wanted my sons to have it. And I want everyone, anybody that wants to go, it's not easy to get in, by the way, um, right. you know, academically, it's a great school. So, you know, it, uh, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Seven and five doesn't, you know, it's not what they thought it would be this year. I'm glad to hear that, you know, uh, one of the coaches is moving on and, and uh, you know, you got to make changes always. I think it was 30% is what I always believed in. You know, you had to make 30% change and that doesn't mean, you know, it's coaches or whatever, but you got to do things differently every year and you got to increase it and do it differently by 30%. And if you don't, you're going to fail. And I remember, remember Blaine, uh, Bill Walsh would be in there. We'd have all these coaches coming in and just, you know, watching uh, spring practice and watching us practice during the year and, you know, some of our linemen, Louis Wong, asked me the other day, Blaine, he goes, why did you guys never practice? I said, because we didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. He's like, you you know, the wide receivers, you guys were always in the training room pretending like you were hurt while everybody else was out practicing. And, you know, it's just the way it was back in those days. It was, you know, just a great time. And, but And we had, you know, people, there's some coaching movement, and you mentioned that. People forget that the back when BYU was on a really good run, there were a number of guys that were kind of coming through the program that would that would come and go. And we had, you know, Glenn and I uh, had Ted Tolner um, on our staff. Mike Holmgren. Be, we had Mike Holmgren come through the program. Andy Reid was your graduate assistant through the program. Brian Bell, uh, Brian Billick was yeah. part of the program. Kyle Whittingham was a GA there. People don't even remember Charlie Stubbs. Charlie Stubbs right. was in our program oh, yeah. with us. Charlie was the offensive coordinator for a national championship at Alabama, and he moved on and did things. Jim Lind, who was there, ended up being uh, a, a big-time linebackers coach uh, with Mike Holmgren up at this with the Seahawks when they and, were there. And Green Bay also. He was there yep. on Green Bay. And You know, the funny part, you bring up Mike Holmgren, and so he and I were talking um, when I was on the Bears, and he was the OC for the 49ers. He mm -hmm. said, you know, Kyle, I was never worried. It's kind of funny. He goes, I was never worried. We were talking about the offensive guys. He goes, I was never worried about you and Blaine. He goes, because I knew Blaine was always going to talk his way through anything. <laughs> <laughs> you had the, you know, you had the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, ability to just say, I'm going to fight you and get it done. And so he never worried about us. It was interesting as he and I talked and, you know, there were some guys that he said, well, I just didn't think they'd make it. But, you know, I, I bring it up now because we're, we're on the air together. And I don't think I've ever said that to you, Blaine. And, oh. you know, but it was really, it was interesting because it would have been, I think it was 89, maybe 90. And I had gotten mad at Mike because they'd run up the score on us. Anytime we played the 49ers, they'd pump. <laughs> I mean, it was ugly. And so, you know, I was yelling at him. He's looking at me like, what's wrong with you, right? I'm like, Mike, and I'm just screaming at him. And then, you know, he ended up at Green Bay as the head coach. And he and I spent a lot of time together there. And, you know, Andy Reid, yeah. Ron Rivera, uh, and uh, um, my other guy, Les Frazier, who's the D coordinator now for the Buffalo Bills, and even John Harbaugh. So I had I had called Andy and said, hey, would you interview these guys, right? So I take full credit for those guys uh. for coaching careers. But, you know, Andy hired them, and these guys turned out to be, you know, unbelievable coaches. Ronnie's still doing it. Les is doing it. I mean, it's Harbaugh. Obviously, it speaks for himself what he's doing in Baltimore. And, you know, it's just – it's funny when you look at all the connections and how much it works together. And think of the coaches we had, Blaine, when we were playing from 81 to 85. Yeah, I, I, I look at those, Glenn, and I. So, 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 
it, the list goes on and on. Sometimes I look at those those um, team photos of our championship years, and and I'm thinking back about how many great players we had, and then I look at the coaching staff, and I'm I'm thinking. Well, maybe we weren't so good. Maybe we were really, really well coached when you look at those. But but my point on all of that, Glenn, is that people get concerned when, when coaching staffs turn over and all that. But sometimes coaches come in for a time. They bring something to the program. They move on and they have success. Somebody else comes in. They bring something else. It's okay to have a little bit of turnover. And it helps the program move forward. People get all alarmed and they call for people to be gone too soon they get worried when they leave um but but it's all part of the process and kalani can be the steady guy people forget that we changed the offensive staff over a few years ago oh all the time we would roll it over and these guys would go to the pros or the nfl and they all had you know they're still you know mike is retired now but i mean he ended up being the gm in cleveland i would never take that job but he did and you know he did the best he could there it's just kind of you can't win in cleveland i think it's just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and apparently you can't win in Chicago anymore either. That's uh, a new one. I know. Yeah, I feel bad about that. I, feel, we talk, I was talking to Jim about that when, when he was up here for uh, for Danny's uh, funeral, for Danny Plater's funeral, and he's like, yeah. yeah. He just is like, I don't know if you can win in Chicago anymore. So, Yeah, well, it's, you know, it, it starts with the leadership. So the guy at the top, and like I said, you know, even in business, I applied that to everything I did in my life. You got to make 30% changes each year. And it can be whatever it is, but if you don't make those changes, you're not progressing. You're not getting better. And I, you know, I believe that with all my heart. And you know, that's what people come and go, but you got to keep making changes. And sometimes, you know, the best change is the one where you just say, Hey, we're not connecting, it's not working, it's time to go. Glenn Kozlowski on the Wise Guys got 141 passes for 2,302 yards and 24 touchdowns during his time at BYU, also an enormous part of the 1984 National Championship team. And speaking of change, let's talk about the transfer portal. It's open. Uh, We think there's like 1,300 kids put their names in, somewhere around there. Uh, What do you think of this portal opportunity and what is it doing to the college game? It's killing it. So is the uh, licensing, right? I mean, can you imagine, Blaine, if Kyle Morell and the defense, you know, saw you and Robbie getting million-dollar deals or whatever it might be? I I wish they saw that, but they did Yeah, well, so do I, for me also. But honestly, you know, Lyman wouldn't have blocked. I mean, it's just – it's. I don't understand what they're doing, but, you know, it's progress, I guess, and it's change, and that's what it is. I don't like it but it doesn't matter what I like or don't like. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's different now in college football and you can get better right away. You you guy out at USC, you know, uh, what's his Caleb name? Williams uh, and, 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 uh, well, Riley, right. The head well, yeah. Lincoln leaves from Oklahoma and he brings a bunch of guys with him from Oklahoma to SC and they're really good. And p- people don't but like to hear this, but, but if Caleb Williams doesn't pull his hamstring on his long run, then, then they're in the college football playoff and not Utah. In, in the Rose Bowl. I so. I, you know what I love most about it? And Kyle is an old teammate. And I know, Blaine, you and Carrie and the Whittinghams, you know, Kyle, you guys are We're very close, 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 yep. Yeah, really close. And they all they all live together up at Fred's house at his wife's house up at, you know, up in the foothills there by Lavelle. I don't know how you did that because that would have been too close for me. I'd have broken out in hives if Lavelle was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean. I loved what Kyle did there. And it was, you know, listen, I, um, you know, I always tell Utah fans, well, you had to go get a BYU guy to find. That's true. That's a true statement right there. It is. But, 
I, I'm proud of what he's doing. And, yes. you know, like anybody that I play with and, uh, you know, my old teammates, I watch after them, I look at them and I really appreciate everything that everyone's accomplishing. And it's, it's fun to watch. That's all. Got a few more, a few more questions with you. Let's get the the confirmation of this one, uh, and then we'll talk to you about the Bears a little bit. Uh, it's the Holiday Bowl. It's uh, fourth quarter, nineteen eighty four, seventeen ten Michigan. Uh, the big question is: You're in the back of the end zone, and you make this circus catch uh, as as among as the best among the best catches we've ever seen. However, uh, was Robbie Bosco throwing that ball away and you went and caught it for a touchdown? Because Robbie gives us one story. Yeah. Blaine's pretty sure he was chucking uh, it he away. He was thrown away and Glenn was, made the catch. <laughs> Glenn made yeah. it look good on that. Yeah, he, he was. He'll, stay, he'll say till he, you know he passes, I was throwing it to you. But <laughs> I think he was out of the back of the end zone. And I just happened to – and literally – the guy that hit me elevated me even higher because I jumped and then he jumped and he kind of pushed me up and I was able to catch it. I mean, I, you know, I don't think I could have gotten that high if the guy didn't hit me. Number five, I don't even know who he was. But And then, of course, I pistol, pistol whipped the entire Michigan side life, which <laughs> you know, Jim Harbaugh and I are dear friends now, and he said, man, everybody wanted to kill you on our sideline. And I said, yeah, I take great pride on being the guy that was most hated by anybody that played against BYU. And I'm proud of that. <laughs> could you get away with the gun? Sl- like you used to do the gunslinger. No. I don't Could you get away with it today? Or would they just throw a flag every time now? Oh, you'd get a flag. I mean, think about it. San Diego state. I, I shot down uh, the two Nixon brothers and they went crazy <laughs> and we started fighting in the end zone and, you know, it was, I would, you know, in fact, I used to jump into the end zone in 84 and grab popcorn and everything else and high five the fans when I would score. And, you know, that's when they started adding all the rules and saying, you can't do that. But we got away with it back then. Yeah, the it, only, was a fu- it was a more fun game back in those days. <laughs> yeah. The only time that Lavelle really got mad at me, we were playing you. You remember Earl Tucker, that little. Yeah, baby. the return guy that. Oh, gave yeah. Us and he was chirping all day so i'd caught a pass over him and i held the ball back at him as i was going into the end zone and lavelle lost it i mean he was not happy about that (laughs) probably the first time i ever heard him use words that i never heard him say before you brought it out i I remember hearing him swear at kyle morell a couple of times for swearing in practice he'd swear at kyle to stop swearing in practice remember (laughs) yeah well and kyle and i had a rule that we would never fight each other but we were always mixing it up with everyone, right? Because we just wanted the offense and defense to be on edge. And that really made us better, too. I mean, it was, you know, our practices until we got to the season, it was ugly. I mean, yeah. we'd go at it every day. <laughs> I didn't realize that Kyle and Glenn had a pact. I never, yeah. I knew, oh, we didn't know there was I a knew that they never fought each other, but they fought everybody else. That explains oh, a yeah. lot right there. <laughs> right. And he and I talked about it, you know. And, and I'll, I'll never forget, Blaine, I was more shocked than anyone when they named me a captain in 84. I'm like, I don't want to be a captain. Are you kidding me? Now I got to talk and be nice and everything <laughs> else. So it was really confusing for me. But that was part of the growing up process. You know, and it was it was a wonderful year. And, you know, Louie Wong gave the first prayer. Remember that, Blaine? Yeah. We'd all get together and, our you know, the coaches would leave. And we'd just hug each other and say a prayer. Yeah. And it really, we continued that all 13 uh, weeks. And, you know, Dave Mills and I on the road broke every bed 
that we were in, we jumped back and forth till we broke one of the beds and then we'd leave. And I'm pretty sure I have a big bill there, but you know, as long as we won, they didn't send us a bill to pay for it. So just so you know, I'll give you guys a little insight on these captains. When we got ranked up in the top 10, we start watching the polls and we start thinking, well, these guys need to lose. These guys need to lose. Like we would literally talk to each other about it. Well, Lavelle and the staff would come in and say, listen, we can't, we cannot worry about any of that stuff. You just worry about our opponent this week. And then the coaches would leave and we'd have a players only meeting and Glenn would go, that's a bunch of crap. We need Texas to lose this week. We need, we need yep. we'd go it through. We'd we're, we're winning. Glenn was the first one that said we were going to win a national championship. Is that right? He said, we're going to go, we, we got this thing. We're going to go get this thing. So, Hey, I want to take you back. This is the best statistical performance of your, I, I feel like Glenn's greatest game may be the Michigan game because of how much it meant. Right. But, and, and that catch, it's one of the greatest catches I've ever seen on what we'll call Robbie's throwaway. But I'm going to take you back to, back to the – I want to take you back to 85 to our opener. We're back playing um, Boston College in the kickoff classic. Ten receptions, 241 yards, and that 28-14 win against Boston College. What was that like out there? I mean, you just dominated that game single-handedly. What's that like – that feeling like to know that they just can't even guard you in a game. Well, I sure talked about it the whole game too, to all the defensive backs and uh, Phil Romanowski was like a sophomore and he kept trying to blow up my knee. Right. Cause I had a little knee brace on and um, you know, you get in those zones. I had a six, one, 240 pound cornerback and he was going man up. So poor Robbie, you know, I was supposed to run a curl and I'd run a streak and then he'd underthrow me and I have to fair catch it and catch it. <laughs> but like I could beat this guy all day. And then, you know, Mark Bellini was getting mad. He's like, I want that bad stuff. And we were fighting the whole game. And that was the difference, right? Blaine, we were all, we all thought we could make the play. We all wanted to make the play. And I just don't see that as much anymore with players, you know, guys kind of, you know, I see it with Puka, right? Uh, Here's a kid that just said, hey, get me the ball, I'll make a play. But it took him a while to get to that point. We had six guys, seven guys, including Blaine. Everybody thought they were the best and they could make the play. And, you know, honestly, I think we all could. I mean, it really – so it just – it goes back to what we were talking about. You have confidence. You believe in yourself. You know, they asked me for the game. They said, hey, what was your greatest catch? And I said, well, that's easy. It was my wife, right? So it's like, come on. <laughs> Good answer. You know, Writers started laughing, and then you know the Sports Illustrated uh, article where they said, "Well, you can't chase women at BYU." I said, "Oh, you can chase them, you just can't catch them at BYU." Right? <laughs> it was like it was easy. They were throwing me softballs, and I was just hitting it out of the park with stupid stuff. But yeah, it was you know that was a great game. But I you know I never cared about how many catches I had as much. And this is something that I think is missing now. I didn't care if I caught. 100 balls or one ball if we won the game that's what mattered the most and mm -hmm. we all believed in that we always approached it that way as a team and you know remember kyle morell we were getting ready and we were a little uh lackadaisical in 84 before the holiday bowl and he threw that muster bottle that missed like uh carry whittied have and three other people by inches and splattered against the wall oh i remember that well <laughs> <laughs> So those were the kind of meetings that we would have once once the coaches would leave. I mean, we held each other accountable, and you know, we kind of still do it. Wouldn't you agree, Blaine? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. We still we still reach out and try to hold each 
hold each other accountable and care for each other. Last question before Blaine hits you up with five quick ones. Uh, fast forward to 1988, Monday Night Football, San Francisco. McMahon hits you for a bomb, stretches you out. You catch it like the old days. You come back to the huddle. What do you say? He goes, about time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look, because really, I mean, I had a hard time cutting to the right because of my left knee. And so I really made my living on special teams. That Boston College game is where Mike Dick fell in love with me. Uh, remember, uh, what was his name? Chris Ruth, the big. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike Ruth, the big. The big Mike Ruth, yeah. Steroid big guy. nose guy yeah nose guard i didn't say that he said it but <laughs> and i don't care i mean honestly and you know bless his heart and i'm sure now he'd probably admit it because back in those days it probably happened a lot more than we realized yeah. but you know he catches he gets an interception and i ran a little uh all right i ran a hitch route so he ran it outside and i just ten toed him and then i stepped on his chest <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't let him get up and he's punching me and flags are flying everywhere. Dick, that's what coach Dick fell in love with me. He goes, I love the fact that you Ted towed the guy and then put your <laughs> foot on the ass and wouldn't let him get up. And, you know, it really uh, cemented my ability to play in the NFL. But my average was huge because nobody, you know, they all thought, Oh, he's not going to run by. I mean, I caught a ton of passes deep down the field. Um, but, you know, I really make my living tackling people and blowing up wedges. That's what I did. You know, we a lot, our fans are all, are chiming in. And, and um, you know, what, one of them, uh, Mike Z, just me, says, Cos got along with Dicka so well because they, they had the same mentality. I, I'd agree with that. You guys were both just tough guys. And and there's a place for tough guys in football. Um, and, and then BYU Sports Edic said, my favorite quote from Dicka, if God had wanted a man to play soccer, he wouldn't have given his arms. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like Mike, doesn't it? Oh, um, of course. I mean, he would come in. I'll never forget. We were playing Minnesota, and it was 89. We had an awful year. All, you know, a lot of our veterans got hurt. Uh, you know, our defensive guys were banging up. And he said we weren't going to win another game, and we didn't because, you know, we all believed him. But I remember we were in Minnesota, and he said, the good guy died in church today. And we thought he said his grandmother had passed away in church. So we end up blowing out Minnesota and we give him the game ball on behalf of, you know, losing He's looking at us like, what are you talking about, you bunch of idiots? So, I mean, he would give the greatest speeches that we couldn't hear most of the time because, you know, he's everywhere and going crazy. But yeah, Mike was a great guy. And, you know, look at Jim Harbaugh, look at, uh, I mean, a lot of guys that are coaches now, Jim is probably the most like Mike, you know, mm. as far as college or pros go. Harbaugh is a maniac and, uh, you know, Mike was a maniac too. And he, you know, he's still, even to this day, Mike would throw down with anybody. I coach believe Dick, that. I believe that. He is. All right. We got five questions for the great Glenn Kozlowski. You ready? Yeah. Well, these, these, are, these by the way, because, you know, really, I was just another player on a really a great time at BYU and great teams. Oh, that's – I'm not letting him get away with that. Glenn's one of the greatest receivers. When we when we start talking about – great, when we start talking about Puka and his skill set or we talk about Cody, ha Cody Hoffman or we talk about Austin Colley, we always compare them to Glenn Kozlowski because he's one of the all-time greats. So he's humble, but there's no question. Skill set – determination, leadership, one of the all-time greats in BYU history. So well, he, he doesn't have and to I say that, but, 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 but I've watched – I played with him and I've watched him for 35 years or more as a broadcaster. Well, 
40. We're coming up on 40 on 84. Oh, don't even remind me of how old I am. So these these five questions, Glenn, are, are uh, they're just rapid fire. You just The first thing that comes to your head, we do this with all of our guests at, okay. at, at the end, and so... Um, and we get to know him. So your favorite sports movie? Uh, that would be, um, uh, shoot, you know, Brian's song. Oh, see, it's a, ba- a bear theme. Song. Yeah. Well, but, it, you know, I remember I saw it when I was 12. And, you know, I was the guy that would fight anybody in school. And I was bawling my eyes out. I cried you know, my eyes out, too, on Brian's song. I got to tell you. you know, I'm 12 years old, and everybody's like, he's not that tough. He's crying like that. You uh, know, just, if, oh, if, if you, the first time you saw Brian's song, you didn't cry, then something's wrong with you. That's so, right. Okay, your, so, your, your favorite singer or band? Uh, you know, I really don't. I, I'm just not a big music guy. So honestly, I, you know, I guess the Stones, Rolling Stones. I'll go, go with that. That's Make a good, that's good old school. I yeah. was, I was shoveling my neighbor's walk today, listening to the Rolling Stones. They've, they've never not been hip and happening. So Stones is a great they, choice. I, around like 90 years too. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think a couple of the members of the band are dead and they're still in the band. So that's <laughs> yeah. something. That's, no one can tell. Apparently, right? Yes. <laughs> that's something. So your favorite breakfast cereal. Oh, that's Captain Crunch. That's a no-brainer. Thank I goodness. Could've... Because, by the way, we make fun of anybody that eats healthy cereal Um, because we all believe in sugar-coated cereal. I had Captain Crunch this morning. That's a great choice. Yeah, Captain Crunch. I mean, think about it. The captain, it's <laughs> it's nothing but sugar. Yeah, and... It's a little sugar in the kernels. So so Dave also does the straight Captain Crunch. Some of us like the Captain Crunch with the Crunch Berries. You don't go for the Crunch Berries. You go for the, just the regular Captain Crunch. Well, you know, keep in mind where I, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have a lot. So if we got Captain Crunch, it was a fist fight and it was going to be. <laughs> okay. <the regular laughs> okay. Understood. Berries were way too expensive to purchase. When we were. Okay. Your favorite BYU moment. And it doesn't have to be with football. It can be any BYU moment. You know, I, I would say, and people will laugh, but I, I think it's the relationships that I got to develop with, you know, in 81, when we all came in together, there, what was there, 38 of us and only eight of us made it through, you know, when it was all said and done. So, you know, my teammates, honestly, I miss that. Yeah. That, and by the way, when he's talking about the eight of us, what an unbelievable recruiting class. Cause we're talking about Glenn Kozlowski, Leon White, Kurt Govea, Lewis Wong, mm. Robbie Bosco. I don't even Wait. need to keep. I don't even need to keep going on. Unbelievable recruiting class that made a huge difference over their careers there. So, so Glenn, and Glenn Glenn knows all about that. So, favorite advice you ever got from Lavelle Edwards? Shut your mouth, do your best, and then show up the next day and do the same thing. Ah. You know, was it was pretty straightforward. He just said, "Hey." Just shut your big mouth, <laughs> do your best, and then do it tomorrow again. And, you know, it's the greatest advice I ever got from him. And, you know, I still try to shut my mouth, although I talk too much. Kind of like you, Blaine. Yes, we're we, talk- we, we we're get Glenn and I together, forget about it. <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you're with WGN Radio, so you're still connected to Chicago as well, even though living here in Utah, it's one of the great things about technology. But how often are you back uh, to the Windy City with work? As little as possible. I mean, honestly, I love being out here in Utah. My family's here. Um, you know, a lot of my old teammates that I'm connecting with. And, you know, I, I, I will go back when I have to. But honestly, I, I'm happy to be here. And, you know, I love Utah. It's a great place. And, you know, I left it a long time ago and said I'd never come back. So everybody's like, why are you back for? You told us you'd never come back. And I said, yeah. 
I kind of blew that one. But, you know, the cool part is we're going right now. My wife cuts grass at Eagle Lake Country Club in Roy, Utah, I might add. Yes. That is the home of the great Jim McMahon where he played. But, you know, she has her big Christmas party tonight, so we're headed there. But, oh, yeah, good. it's little blonde out there cutting the, the tea boxes all summer. It's hilarious. She, she's so. the best. We we give her all credit. We, we didn't know oh, yeah. that anybody could tame the great cause, but but Julie did it and did a, phen oh. a ph phenomenal job. She tamed the great cause. Well, I wouldn't say great, but yeah, she, uh, you know, she laid it out and really, you know, I raised four sons. They all went on missions. So I'm really proud of what she and I accomplished over the course of our life together. And we've got, you know, 13 grandkids now and our oldest is a dancer and I got to get Blaine's daughter to you know, talk to her at some point because she's going to turn 16 this year, which is scary, right? It's just eight, all of us now. You got one. You've got one week to uh, to go catch Libby and Wizard and, and uh, Moulin Rouge at the Eccles Center. There, she's on a national touring cast, oh, and they're oh, here. They're here at the Eccles in Salt Lake City uh, through through this next Sunday. So she's in fact oh, she's on her way down to. Oh, she's she's going on in uh, about a half an hour. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, Dave and I went to watch her uh, last Saturday. We did the game at Vivint, and then we had some dinner, and we went and watched Libby and Moulin That's Rouge. That's great. That's great. So. Glenn, we salute you for all that you do, how you represent BYU, and how you, uh, uh, you're living your life, and, and we're just thrilled to death to have you on our show. We hope you'll come back again, and, uh, and again, uh, uh, all uh, happy holidays to you and your family, and, and thanks so much for, for gracing us tonight and classing up our show. Oh yeah, yeah, right. You guys just lost a bunch of listeners. So I <laughs> people, but, people are you know, loving it. Get, get a, a better player on next time, and you'll do better. Nah. Yeah, right. hey, hey, go to your party. Go, have go a great to party, Christmas. Give Julie our love and, and love you, my brother. You're the best. You got it, Blaine. Love you too. And like I said, I wanted to go on record that Blaine Fowler was an incredible quarterback. Uh, he's unfortunately, it's you no. Know, I'm being serious here. It you know it just. Um, we just had two of the best at the same time. And it was, it was an eyelash between the two of them, you know, and we always felt like if Robbie, cause Robbie would get banged up sometimes. Nobody ever worried about Blaine coming in. Cause we knew we'd be fine. So, well, he'll never be the same after hearing that tonight. So thank yes. you. Glenn. We appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> hey, have a great night. Have a great night, Glenn. Have fun. Merry Christmas. Guys. Same to you, brother. The great See Glenn you. Kozlowski. He, he was the guy that you always wish. So, so when you get on the field, when Glenn was on the field, and Robbie and I would talk about this all the time, if if everybody looked like they were covered, just find seven and throw the ball out there. Yeah. He's going to make a play. Kind of like Puka. Just, just exactly. It, that's how Puka is. And that's, man, that's the best thing to ever have if you're a quarterback is that guy on the field that you know will never let the ball get intercepted and will most likely make a play. Just throw it to him. Next week on The Wise Guys, Mark Durant, BYU basketball radio analyst, will be with us. Dave Almodova from BYU will go over the bowl festivities there in Albuquerque. And Ty Detmer, Heisman Trophy winner, going to join the show. That's all next week on The Wise Guys. Uh, let's talk hoops for a moment. Our next guest is a 10-year veteran of event marketing and president of Sports Network LLC. They're the muscle behind Saturday night's BYU Creighton basketball game at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas and the Jack Jones Hoop Fest. It's our pleasure to welcome Ernie Kuyper to the Wise Guys. Ernie, good evening. Good evening, fellas. How you all doing? Hey, good, Ernie. How are you? Man, life is good. I'm, I'm hanging in there, you know, getting, getting ready for this weekend. Excited. You're in Memphis tonight, and then it's off to Vegas, right? 
Yep, Vegas tomorrow morning, early flight. Get out to Vegas and start uh, setting things up and getting ready. Creighton comes in number 21 in the country. BYU still trying to find itself with a new roster. They got a game tomorrow night, which Blaine and I will be calling on BYU TV. What kind of a game do you expect to see Saturday night when we finally get these two together? I think it's going to be high flying, you know. I mean, both teams like to get up and down and shoot threes. I think it's going to be entertaining for the crowd, personally. Um, I'm excited just to just to watch them play. Last year, they got up and down. They, you know, they played in South Dakota, the Pentagon last year. It was a battle back and forth. But I like both offenses. You know, they like to get up and down the court and shoot it. Yeah, that's that's fun for fans watching. So so why Las Vegas for this matchup? And, and how long ago did you start to, to put this thing together? Did you start working on um, something like this to get it to all come together? Well, it's, <laughs> I guess it's been my whole life, you know, basketball has been my whole life. So I've been working on it basically my whole life, but it was a couple of years ago. We started getting it ready and why Las Vegas? I mean, it's the entertaining capital of the world and everybody seems to uh, want to play in Las Vegas and, there's other things to do other than basketball, several other things to do. So <laughs> it's just, it just made sense. And uh, with the BYU fan base, I mean, you guys don't travel, you just show up. I mean, <laughs> you guys are everywhere, which is awesome. And then Creighton, they seem to travel very well. And we thought, why not try this and, and go to the Mandalay Bay, you know, Las Vegas Aces Arena. We thought it'd be just, you know, great setup, which like your Notre Dame BYU football game yeah. was just tremendous the crowd that you know showed up there so is it to get two teams to agree to play in vegas is it a phone call that says hey let's do this or is it an arduous process <laughs> several phone calls and, <laughs> and you know this is nonstop. just you know you know how it is just trying to sell anything just keep working and working and working and just things start coming together and then one thing led to another we we've got tv we've got fox sports one fs1 then we have Several other teams, Utah State, uh, Southern Utah, Cal State, Fullerton, Loyal, Marymount, just to name a few, along with New Mexico, um, uh, San Francisco, Arizona State. So we're just we're excited. It's a great uh, first year for us, and we're, we're just excited to be hosting the event and see, see what happens. Yeah, Ernie Kuyper, the president of Sports Network LLC, is with us for a few minutes on, on The Wise Guys. We're glad to have him with us. Ernie, Ernie there was a time when Vegas was off limits for college sports. And then it's not that far in the distant past. All that's changed. Now it's like a mecca for tournaments and special events. Uh, just like this one Saturday night, it'll even host the Final Four in 2028. Is there a, betty, a better city in America right now that's more equipped to stage neutral site showdowns like this BYU-Creighton game than Vegas? I mean, it just depends on the fan, you know. Um Obviously, I believe it's a great venue, great place to host. It just depends on the fan and, you know, what what each person likes to do. But it seems they seem to be equipped and, and ready. And we're, we're just excited to be part of Las Vegas in this event. But there's obviously several other other cities out there that, you know, do a great job hosting, too. But uh, for me, um, if you're free, <laughs> I'd suggest uh, filling the car up with gas or however you want to get to Vegas, get to Vegas, come watch some good basketball. Pat Christensen, the president of Las Vegas Events, uh, says they are always looking for ways to get BYU's football team down there, and they've got a long history there, as you mentioned a moment ago. And and how about basketball, though, moving forward with a Las Vegas event like this one on Saturday? Do you have uh, BYU and your future plans for other uh, extravaganzas? 
we hope so. They they got to have us in the future plan. So that's <laughs> that's what we're, we're hoping to get the Cougars back. You know, we we absolutely they've been a pleasure to work with, and they're obviously I believe they're a great basketball team. They're gonna they're gonna get it going. And Coach Pope, he's he's gonna make it happen. So we we boys we always want to be involved with with BYU and just the fan base that you guys have is amazing. Really, I mean, I, I'm just saying from being from you know Memphis, Tennessee, I grew up in South Dakota. I mean, BYU is a national brand, and it's it's just awesome to be a part of that. So um, we're gonna do a little ticket get. We gave some tickets away earlier right. to the event on nice. Saturday night. So we're gonna give another pair away. Right now, and and remember, if you if you're not gonna be in Vegas, don't chime in and get these tickets. You gotta yeah, remember you gotta this go game's to not the in game. Provo; it's in Vegas. <laughs> so you either need yeah. to be driving down or down in Vegas. So the first um, uh, fan that we have that puts tickets, please, in the chat, um, is gonna qualify for this next pair of tickets. Yeah, whether um, YouTube or Twitch and, and, or wisecast.com. The game is sold out at the Mandalay Event Center, right? I don't know if it's it, sold it, out it, or not, but it's. It, it's not sold out, oh. but we have sold several tickets. We we hope to sell it out. Okay, and, gotcha. Uh, okay, we'll make sure these tickets these are going to be lower level. They'll be premium. So they're seats. going to be good ones. And and yes. it's and and it's a, you know what we used to do some stuff in the Mandalay Event Center back back in the day, um, and when BYU was in previous leagues before they went independent. That's a great place to watch a basketball game, right? That Mandalay Event Center is going to it'll be set up for so this will be a real fun. Fun event, right? Well, yeah, and the oh. wave and the wave pool out back is uh, is still it's still summer down there, right? You still go swimming. <laughs> there we go. And the, <laughs> the arena, to, to your point, you know, Las Vegas Aces won the WNBA championship. That's their home court. I mean, it's, right. it's a beautiful facility to play basketball. It should be fun. And like, no, the the event is not sold out. They can buy tickets at sportsnetworkllc.com okay. or axs.com online. Either either way. But we would, uh, yeah, we, we hope to have several more fans join us. And okay. So we have to make sure they get lower bowl seats. So I, so I misspoke. It's not sold out, but we want to sell out for this event. Sportsnetworkllc.com um, is, where, is where you can get tickets. And what was the other one? Tell us that one again, Ernie. AXS.com. AXS.com, where you can get tickets to this event at the Mandalay Event Center. It should, should be a fun one. Hey, Creighton's 21, but they were seven last week. Yeah, they kind of hit a couple and. And, and BYU's had a couple of bumps after a couple of big moments. And it's a great time to get those two together and, and see what happens. Yeah, let's get along Saturday night. John, like, I, I've covered a lot of boxing fights at Mandalay Bay. You sound like you're ready to get these two uh, two in the ring. <laughs> Ernie Kuyper is the president of Sports Network LLC. Hey, thank you for your uh, help with us. Thanks for coming on the show. Good luck Saturday night. Safe travels from Memphis. We'll all see you in Vegas for those who are going to be at the game. And, and happy holidays from the wise guys. Okay, thank you, guys. Thanks for appreciate joining it. us, Ernie. We appreciate it. And you're right. Appreciate Vegas it. is full of BYU fans, and, uh, and they will yep. see you Saturday night. They'll fill Saturday that place night. up Saturday night. We're excited to see the blue. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Ernie yep. Kuyper has, has made a living pulling tournaments together like this one. And as he mentioned, there's a handful of teams, but the ones that matter to us is BYU and Creighton. That's Saturday night. Tomorrow night, BYU's at home against Utah Valley on BYU TV at 9 Eastern Time, 7 Mountain with pregame show starting at 8 Eastern and 6 Mountain Time uh, as the Cougars look to get their groove back after a, just a disappointing loss to South Dakota Saturday <laughs> they, they, up at Vivint Arena. It they was decided just, they were going to try to have the same formula they did in the Dayton game where they were going to have a miraculous comeback, and, uh, and they actually had a shot 
to win the game with the ball in their hands at the end, as you and I were calling it. Yeah, but, why did why did Rudy shoot a three? Why didn't he just go right to the rim? Get fouled. So, so you know what you know what I still haven't figured out. It was very confusing because on the scoreboard in the arena, it had that BYU had a timeout left. Um, but I guess they didn't. I don't think they had a timeout left. And, and yeah, what, our Carolyn, our statistician said no timeout. She said no left. timeout. The scoreboard said there was a timeout, and there was a lot of things going so, on so, with so, the officials. So it was confusing. So I was thinking, man, if they got a timeout, why not? Um, push the ball up the floor, call a timeout, and have a side out of bounds play to set up the play that you want. Sometimes you don't want to use the timeout because the other team's a, f- a thing. But then we found out afterwards, Carolyn, who's usually right on top of it, was saying, no, they didn't have a timeout. So so they needed they needed Rudy to make a great decision. You needed yeah. your guys to make a great decision. And you're only down by one. And he decided to pop and, a and three. So, so my, my feeling is there's enough time to drive all the way to the rim or drive partway to the rim, and if you get doubled, you kick it to somebody to shoot a wide open. Because when you're dribbling right to left as a right-hander and trying to shoot a pull-up three, that's a tough shot. Yeah. So Michael Rucker of the Chicago Cubs is going to join us in just a few minutes. And, and we should say that Dr. Ketch got those that last set of, good uh, job, Dr. Uh, Dr. of tickets. So nice job, Dr. Ketch. we got another pair to give out a little later on. Yep. So, so hang we'll give with you one us more there. Pair a little bit. So Utah Valley comes in 4-4, four and four, BYU's 5-4. and four. Mark Pope coached four years at UVU before... Uh, coming over to BYU now in his fourth year. And then Mark Madsen, one of our good friends, is in his fourth season at uh, at UVU. Wolverines coming off a nice win over Long Beach State Saturday night, 88-78. to This is going to be a highly competitive, spirited game. And remember, Utah Valley beat BYU last year in Orem. First time they've ever defeated a nationally ranked team. BYU's number 12. But Gavin Baxter went down early, and the Cougars had no center. And Fardaz Amayak had like 24 points and 25 rebounds, and uh, and they beat them in overtime. And, and, th- and this is a UVU team that they're they're four and four right now, but but they're not a, they're not afraid to play anybody. U- UVU's not, and and they've been in. So so at Utah State they lose 58-75. You're like, oh maybe they're not as good good this year. And then they they rip off a couple of wins against Western Colorado and Northern Arizona where they where they win. Then they go to Wake Forest. So they're at Wake Forest. They go, okay, this is they hey, they lost at Utah State. Wake Forest is gonna blow them out of the gym. Oh no. They take Wake Forest to overtime and lose 68-65 on the road in the ACC. So now I'm going, okay, I notice. I see you, UVU. Uh, things things are coming together. Then then they have an overtime loss to Morgan State. Um, then they beat uh, Green Bay, uh, 79-56 handily. They go to Boise State and and lose. 87-69. Then they come back against Long Beach State's pretty solid program, and they win handily 88-78, and they shoot lights out, and it's almost like everything comes together, and I'm thinking that that's how it seems like it is for BYU. This is a team with a lot of new faces, um, with some returning guys, and, and it feels to me like they're coming off of a pretty momentum-building win where they shot the ball well, um, and uh, so so we'll see we'll see what happens. The, Latre Darthard had seven threes in that game and they and got size inside they got another seven footer mark Aziz seems to be Bandago. able to yeah mark, mark seems to be able to go find those seven footers um and uh and he's playing well way above the rim you got trey woodbury who's a preseason all-conference uh, level guy a six four shooting guard that's a senior that really uh, knows what he's doing he's a double double waiting to happen out there so so this is a talented team that comes in that in my opinion, this team's got more talent in South Dakota, so BYU's going to have to up their game. It does help that they're at home. It's going to be a fun one tomorrow night on BYU TV. Earlier today, the women's team beat Utah State up in Logan 64-54. Lauren Gustin, 11 points, 10 rebounds. 
keeps her streak of double-doubles alive and to nine. School record held by Kreshmer Chosich is 10. Cougars host Utah Saturday night, 5 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV. We'll see if she can set the record or tie it against the Utes and then try to break it um, in their game next week. Hey, a shout-out to Mike Weir. He's been named the captain of the international team of the 2024 President's Cup. First time a BYU alum's had such an honor. I put a call into Weir. We're going to get him on the Wise Guys. Oh, that's awesome. Love, be love, love to talk to, to Weirzy on that. Won the Masters um, in 2003. You gave the hoops update. Did you give the NCAA volleyball update? No. Well, let's give that. Let's, let's talk about NCAA volleyball. Um, BYU defeated James Madison last Friday in the first round in straight sets and then were eliminated by number two seed Pittsburgh on Saturday in straight sets. This is a really, really young Cougar volleyball team. They finished the season at 22-7. and seven. Watch out next season when everybody's back. Yeah, for sure. Our next guest tonight on the Wise Guys is a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs who this spring will begin his seventh season in professional baseball. The former BYU star went 16-1 and one as a Cougar before the Cubs picked him up in the 11th round of the 2016 draft. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Wise Guys, the only BYU Cougar currently on a 40-man roster in Major League Baseball, the great Michael Rucker. Michael, good evening. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. Hey, Michael, do you, I don't know if you know this, but like Dave McCann's team is the Cubs and has been oh, for forever. Sure. He knows. And, and great times, but also even when they're awful. He is a diehard and... and to have the one, the lone Major League Baseball player on the Cubs for Dave is just a huge, it's a, it's a huge deal. Hey, it's I text him after he pitches. He's had a great season. It's fun to, fun to text him and get an answer back going, guys, this is from one of the Cubs right here. And you're never too old to, uh, to be a kid around Major League Baseball. How much of the offseason do you need before you get the itch to get back? Um, so I take about a month at least to just like totally, just completely just rest not even think about baseball just need that after 162 game season um it's super important to be able to just have that time to relax spend time with family um but yeah i mean once uh thanksgiving starts rolling around and um you know you know spring's right around the corner so it's a uh, time to start locking in and it's kind of fun to follow the off season uh with all the hot stove stuff and Hey, um, we I got see. news earlier today about Cody Bellinger signing with the Cubs, so that's going to be exciting. Former MVP with us, um, and then just um, you know they had the MLB lottery draft tonight as that's well. Right. So it's kind of been a, a fun off season um, to follow and watch. Getting so uh, getting Bellinger, uh, you know, every pitcher on the pitching staff should be thrilled about that because that's more runs on the board for your offense. Right. Yeah, I mean. It, he can swing a good bat. He covers the, um, a lot of positions well. Um, you know, center field, he's had experience first base too. So, um, you know, I know that the Cubs are really excited. I'm really excited to, to have him on our team. Um, and it's a great addition, I think. So so you pitched in 41 games, 54.2 innings. You go 3-1 and one with, a, uh, with an ERA of 3.95. What's the last thing uh, manager David Ross told you as you went into the offseason? What did he say he wanted to see out of you in the offseason? Uh, the, I remember the very last thing he said, it was actually, uh, so we finished up in Cincinnati and, uh, as we're getting on the plane, I'm headed back to my seat. I uh, go by all the coaches that are sitting kind of in like the first class type seats. And they're like, a boy, Ruck, 
way to get below a four for ERA. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of been a joke with me and a, a couple of teammates who over the you know last week of the season were like really trying to get our stats where we wanted it to be. And so uh, when anybody asks what kind of ERA we had, oh, I had a three something. Nice, nice. It's kind, of, kind of fun to joke about, but um, yeah, no, I mean. We had a good meeting. Uh, me, Dave Ross, our pitching coach, Tommy Hadovy, uh talked about just some of the things that I've done well, uh, some of the growth that I've had over the course of this season um, compared to last, and then just kind of some of the things that, you know, need to work on, polish up, um, just so I can, you know, continue to be a regular, counted on piece, uh, you know, for the Chicago Cubs. I like this stat. You had 50 strikeouts among the 54 innings and only allowed eight home runs. Uh, who was the furthest home run uh, hit off of you? Who did it, and what pitch was it? I know who hit the har- the hardest home run. Who's that? Um, I think Rowdy Telez got me pretty good. <laughs> and when he gets you pretty yeah. good, is there a sound that a pitcher hears where you just know it's gone? Yeah, I didn't even turn around. I don't. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No, it, I mean you know it, and you can see him looking at it. Yeah, but no, I got. I got him back the, the next two times I faced him. I'm pretty sure I punched him out. So nice. not, not, not that and that was actually, I think the Rowdy Telez home run that I gave up was the inning that I had four strikeouts in one inning as well. Really? So that Wait, was kind of, that was a wild kind of inning, so to speak. But yeah. How do you get four strikeouts in an inning? So if you on the third strike, if it's dropped, oh, yeah, so yeah. like if a batter swings at it and the guy beats ball to first base, they're safe. They're safe. So I get a strikeout, but he's safe. Contreras, and, Contreras uh, couldn't catch it. the ball. So and... is, that, is that an error on the catcher? Is it eat? Um, no, it's a it's a wild pitch because I I threw a slider in the dirt. The guy swung at it, so it's it's kind of like an unwritten rule. If the ball hits the dirt first, it like the catcher really can't do that much about it. Um, at least that's what the scores so, say. So. so it's a wild pitch, but do you still statistically you still get the strikeout? Yeah, statistically you get the strikeout, uh, but it goes as a wild pitch. So let's say like if that guy's on first and he scores later on, like it's an earned run. So it's like kind of one of those weird. That's funny, that is one that, of the many funny baseball rules that there. After are all out of there. the after all of these years covering all these sports, that's that's news to me. Did you know that, Dave? Yeah. I didn't know you could get. I didn't know that you got credit for a strikeout on that. I thought it was just a wild pitch. Four Ks in an inning doesn't happen very often. No, you should shout happen. at Contreras no. to catch the ball back there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Jan Gome. So oh, it was. But I mean, he. I've worked well with all of our catchers. I love them. I mean, I. What are you going to do with a slider that's like, you know, hitting right off the plate? But um, you know, four strikeouts in an inning. That's that's, that's cool. pretty best. So Dave asked you about cool. Dave asked you. I don't know why he's thinking the negative thing like. Oh, who hit the furthest home run? Because it's interesting. What's your favorite strikeout of the year? Like, what was mm. was there was there a particular strikeout where you were like, "That was money," and I'll remember that. Um, yeah, I would say probably like my most noteworthy strikeout was probably Paul Goldschmidt. Um, so I came in. Our starter was uh, he'd gone through like four innings. We're up on the Cardinals, uh, two nothing. He was getting a little tired, um, had runners on first and second. So I came in, I had to face Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Nolan Arenado, and then um, I think it was Brandon Donovan. 
was the the third hole hitter. It was a lefty. Um, but yeah, getting uh, Goldschmidt, you know, MVP right off the gate, right out of the bullpen, and then uh, striking them out just to the tone to get the rest of the three outs to our two run lead. That was that was pretty noteworthy for me. That's awesome. Cubs pitcher, former BYU Cougar Michael Ruckers on the Wise Guys tonight. So what's it like to stand on the mound at Wrigley Field, Dodger Stadium, or Yankee Stadium and throw against the best hitters in the world? Yeah, they're all like super unique venues. Um, you know, I always describe Wrigley Field to people as like a time capsule of baseball. Um, just to be able to see like the, the seats, they go – they're not as like steep. They go farther back, like into yeah. the concourse. Um, and then just to be able to like turn around, you see the Ivy, the old school um, scoreboard in center field. That's just super iconic. Um, it's an awesome place, like awesome environment to, to be able to play baseball. Um, Dodger stadium, just the history of it and just how massive uh, it is. And, you know, when they get a full crowd at, and, you know, if somebody hits a home run, um, it's just, it's electric there. Um, you know, with their, you know, two big market teams with fan bases that um, are really passionate about their teams. Um, it's, it's really fun to play there. And then Yankee Stadium is probably um, the most hostile of the three <laughs> that you mentioned. Um, but still a, a really, like, fun, just really cool place to play and that was a place that um i was really excited to be able to um, step on a mound and pitch there as well that's a cool experience and 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 a kind of a side note aren't you glad you don't have to play in new york because not only are they hostile to their the opponent but they're hostile to their own people they love zach wilson a few weeks ago now they hate him it's not good oh i know yeah it's a tough place to play yeah new york fans are kind of i actually uh for one of our trips um we um, kind of as a theme, we were we were wearing either like college or NFL jerseys, and I had a Zach Wilson BYU jersey that that I wore, and you know being earlier in the season, I think it was like right before he had his uh, his knee injury in the preseason, and um, all the it was at the New York Mets actually, but they were um, you know the clubhouse guys are like like oh that's awesome that's the best jersey that I've seen blah 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 <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it's unfortunate. I, I like Zach. I think he plays with a good uh, swagger. Like he's he's always been fun and dynamic to watch. Uh, I've been a fan of his game, and you know, liked watching him when he was at BYU for sure. He'll get um, it back. He'll yeah. get oh, yeah. it he'll, he'll, he'll get another. He, he will. He'll, he'll get it back, and they'll love him again. That's just New York fan. I grew up in New York, so I can pick on them. That, okay, they're, they're mm-hmm. tough fans. So I'm going to ask you about a Yankee. So Aaron Judge, he, he set the American League record with 63 home runs. Walk us through how you approached him when he came to bat. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Like, um, so him and I actually have the same agent. Um, we're both with PSI Sports, so it's kind of been fun. Tell him you want the same money. You want the same money he's about exactly. to get. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a little bit fun. Uh, just kind of having maybe just a little bit more behind the scenes from you know just kind of uh, asking my agent like, oh, how's it, like how are things going with that or. Um, it's a little bit fun to follow, but, uh, I mean, Aaron judge is by far the, just the largest human being that I've seen <laughs> in a batter's box. Um, yeah. So very intimidating. And this, in this past year, I was, uh, coming in 
after a starter that had given up six home runs to the Yankees. So, um, you know, my first inning kind of got knocked around a little bit, got to the point where I'd already given up one run and I had bases loaded with one out and Aaron Judge at the play. Oh, no. So Perfect scenario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, perfect scenario. You know, Yankees fans are just, like, um, <laughs> going wild. They're like, oh, he's, you know, rooting for a grand slam, which I'm like, no, he's, you know, the competitor in me is saying, no, I, not today. But, um, you know, I think uh, for the for the longest time, and I think still, um, like, the one no-no on the scouting report is like don't throw him fastballs up uh he will crush a fastball up that is his bread and butter that is what he is going to annihilate um but sometimes your pitches are feeling all right and you know that that guy knows the same scouting report so um i decided because i'm usually like a heavy like spin guy and thinking you know oh base is loaded He's not going to challenge me with the fastball. So I threw him first pitch fastball up out of the zone just by a little bit. Um, got a swing and miss. And then just tried to get, because he has such big arms. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, just tried to jam him and hit a fly ball to right field, as he often will do or try to just with how short that porch is over in right field. Um, ended up getting a sack fly. But, um, yeah, I mean, he... He's just able to cover so much of the plate and um, just the year that he had this past year was incredible. So it'll be interesting to see exactly where he lands. Um, now we should note, awesome. we should note that after he came, after he did his thing, Giancarlo Stanton comes up the week before he was the uh, all-star game MVP and you struck him out Yes, and on, and you struck him out with your last two pitches. He didn't even swing at. So you had that going for you. Yeah, no, it was kind of a thing that, um, you know, just trying to rise the cage. I know that, uh, you know, our bullpen had pitched um, a lot the day before. We had a starter that um, was injured and got pulled out in the third inning. They ended up playing 12 innings. So there wasn't really a whole lot of availability in the pen. So, you know, I had to you know, play that long man type role, pitch, you know, three innings, cover that amount so that guys could get a little bit of extra rest in the bullpen um but yeah i mean when you have a plan and you execute um you know it's the best thing you can hope for my favorite part about that michael my favorite part about that whole story is you you acknowledge to us that you understood the gravity of the situation it's like crap one out bases loaded aaron judge is on the mound i'm in (laughs) yankee stadium and everybody's expecting him to get hit a grand slam and and you simply said not today. <laughs> I love that. Not today, Aaron Judge, and you can hit a sack fly to right field, and we're going to get out of this. I love that. That's and you good... came at him with a fastball right against and, and the scouting report. You challenged him with what he would not <laughs> expect, which I yeah. love. That's I love. I mean, that. yeah, have to. It's it's. Uh, I mean, the pitcher versus batter, um, just dichotomy. That battle is just like so intense. I think it's like one of the best. Uh, things in sports is just you know that like chess game between the pitcher and the hitter and um, having the catcher's input as well Um, you know that anticipation of you know what's going to happen pitch to pitch and uh, just this strategy of it Um, I just love it love baseball for that well we we talked about Aaron Judge 
is there anyone else? I maybe it's him, but is there another hitter in baseball that that commands the most respect from you when when you face a bat, or is there maybe somebody you haven't faced that you're just like, okay, that guy's the best hitter in baseball? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really pitched a whole lot, um, you know, against American League teams, but um, you no, know, when it, there's one guy that I haven't faced that I'm um, just been really impressed with in the way that he's been able to just put bat on ball is Jose Ramirez. Uh, mm. He's their baseman for the uh, Cleveland Guardians and uh, sw- switch hitting third baseman. They just signed him to you know an extension, but uh, it's just a like to call a third baseman scrappy is a little bit weird, but just that's kind of like his uh, like demeanor or like attitude in the box is no. I'm not going to go down swinging or, you know, I'm not going to go down without a piece of this ball. Um, so just to watch him and how he, um, this is bat to ball skills are insane. You want him though, right? You want him. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have him <laughs> on my team. He's, he's, he's locked up for, you know, the no, next three, no, four or five what years. What I mean is, is you want to face him in the playoffs, right? You want him. You, you could, you'd like to challenge him when you, yeah, I mean that's. I think that's what every pitcher wants is to be able to um, have that chance to be given the ball in a high pressure, high leverage situation. You know, face the you know best guy on the other team and be able to get him out. Um, you know, there's no better feeling than that. I wrote an article in the Deseret News, which we'll post on our live stream about the many times that you went back and forth from the Cubs to the AAA Iowa Cubs over the course of this last summer. It's not nearly as glamorous of a lifestyle as it appears on television, is it? Um, to settle back from AAA to the big leagues, yeah, it's uh, it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow to be told, that, you know, like uh, we, you know, we like you, but you know, we have this guy that thinks either playing better than you, or um, you know, you need some more time to develop, or you know, whatever the reason or case might be for, um, you know going down it's it's always a hard pill to swallow but uh, knowing that there there is that opportunity to be able to prove myself to continue to pitch and um earn a, a call up um you know i was able to do that a couple times this year and um i mean that that's what it's all about everybody in triple a just trying to fight and get back it's it's one thing to make it to the big leagues it's another whole thing to stay and so that's kind of been, um, you know, it, it's challenging, I would say, as like as a relief pitcher and just how much like churn and turnover, just um, trying to keep arms fresh and, and all that. But um, just be able to have those opportunities and make them count, um, you know, as a young pitcher like myself is. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah. A f- former BYU pitcher Michael Rucker went 16-1 and as a Cougar before being drafted by the Chicago Cubs. He's on the Wise Guys with us tonight. So, Michael, this road you're on started as a 10-year-old pitcher in the Bonnie Lakes Summer Little League in Taps, Washington. Back then, you threw a curveball that no one could hit. And you're still throwing that curve, right? Yeah. No, it was um, – yeah, I mean, from co- from coach pitch and playing uh, – you know, Bonnie Lake Sumner Little League, which they actually had a chance to go to Williamsport this past year, represent uh, the Northwest region. So that was kind of cool and fun to watch. But yeah, still, still throwing 
pretty much same curveball grip that I've been throwing <laughs> since then. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it works for you. So in your arsenal of pitches, there's the curve, uh, the fastball. What else? Uh, slider and uh, changeup. Slider and changeup. So if you were to face. And then, and then I'm mixing a cutter, too. Okay. Oh, cutter that's kind of been a little bit of a newer pitch. If you were to face Blaine in the batter's box. Oh, yeah. Here we go. How would you <laughs> how would you approach him with your pitches? Are you a righty or a lefty? I'm a righty. I'm a righty. And, he ta- okay. and he's a righty, and he talks a lot, too, so he's probably talking at you before he gets into the oh, batter's yeah. box. I'll be talking to you as I'm stepping. I'll talk to the catcher, too. <laughs> uh, well, I'll I'll probably brush you a little bit inside, just let you know. Like, Send a okay, message. Here, here's what that looks like. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, get you stepping off that plate maybe a little bit, and yeah. then uh, and then just try to dot that outside corner. Um, throw a little slider off that fastball that I'm going to dot on the outside corner. Um, hopefully get you in three pitches. Yeah, <laughs> three pitches. He would. he would get me in three. I can't hit anymore. What would, what would Blaine so, have to do for you to I just pelt him right in the anymore. back? To put it right in the yeah, middle of his yeah, back, what would, what would he do have to, to do? Throw it right at me. What would oh, I have to man. say? Uh, I'd have to get a sign from the catcher. I, uh, <laughs> you know, so you, there, there had to like you might have slid into you know Nico Horner at shortstop and tore his leg up or something the inning before or something. I don't know. And but, then, I, then I would get a message. So is that a thing where yeah. the the catcher will signal to you that it's time to hit this guy? Well, I think that there's. Just kind of uh, like a level of, I guess, like like respect or understanding, um, you know, just with how the game is supposed to be played. Yeah, I, I would say like in terms of pitching inside, it's going to happen. People are going to get hit just because of the nature of it. But um, if you're going to pitch inside, you better execute it or people like it's not fun getting hit by a 95 mile an hour fastball. No, right? I can't imagine. I've actually, I've been hit as a pitcher standing in the batter's box by fastball in professional baseball, and that did not feel good. And I've also been hit by comebackers, and that does not feel good either. No. So, mm. I thought um, it was interesting, Blaine, that he said he's gonna he was coming right inside to brush, brush you back, back a little he bit, was right with the first pitch, to, which I hey I appreciate, I respect that a lot. <laughs> so, so your 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 fastball, that high inside fastball, what velocity is that coming at? Is that ninety five, ninety six? Yeah, so my, I'd say my average fastball this year is around 95. Um, I've gotten it up to as high as 98 before. That is some That's smoke. smoke. That's some smoke yeah. coming right at you. Hey, you start your career at Gonzaga. You decided to transfer to BYU in 2014 because of a girl. Mm-hmm. That decision not only leads to your marriage to Sydney, uh, conversion to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but it also leads you to the Cubs after you go 16-1 and over two seasons at BYU. What a decision to leave Spokane to come to BYU and look all that look at all that's happened. Yeah, that was actually something that um, you know I had the chance to kind of like talk about a little bit with with my family over kind of like Thanksgiving, just to like think back and reflect on just kind of how wild of a journey it's been for me. Um, you know, just to go to go from Gonzaga, which you know was a good baseball school, but um, just kind of a, a little bit of an unhealthy situation, I guess you could say, um, for me and in, in school. And, you know, BYU was definitely one that I was considering out, out of the gate, out of high school. And, um, you know, just basically after giving Gonzaga a year, the 
kind of try it out. Um, you know, realized that Gonzaga was not the place that I was going to spend, you know, the rest of my four years. And I wasn't going to be happy there for the rest of my four, four year uh, college time. So it was time to make the switch. And uh, my girl, my girlfriend, who's now my wife is there. There's a lot of things that made that decision a lot easier. Um, Mike Littlewood, who's, you know, the coach at the right. time, um, you know, just being completely welcoming, giving me a chance to to be able to pitch in high leverage situations, earn, you know, that, uh, you know, that, well, in college baseball, most schools call it the Friday night starter is the one that right. pitches the first on weekend. But, you know, BYU, it's the Thursday night starter. So right. being able to, being able to be that Thursday night starter for, for the Cougs and just have that opportunity to be able to pitch in, um, you know, in the West coast conference and against, uh, you know, in front of, you know, scouts, to I just get my name out there. I mean, it's yeah. to picture myself then and then look at where I'm at now. It's just it's just a wild journey for sure. So, Sid, did Sid know? Now you you dated from high school on, but when you decided when you called and told her I'm coming to BYU, did she know pretty much? Well, I guess we're going to be getting married at some point. That was that the did she know that was going to happen as you packed up to come to Provo, even though you hadn't asked I mean, her yet, or did she make you earn it? I mean, we we had been pretty like serious in our you know relationship, even doing long distance. Like like long distance is hard for anybody that's yeah. been in a long distance relationship. Like I salute you. Like <laughs> I know what you're I know what you're going through. It's uh, super uh, tough and difficult. But you know, I I knew that I had found the right woman in my life. Um, you know, the the right partner, and um, you know, I was gonna do what I could to make sure that that was a, you know, partnership that, you know, that would last. And, you know, part of that is, you know, going to BYU. I, I think there was just so much going on at that time of my life. You know, I wasn't even like thinking that it was just like, okay, what, what do I have this hour, <laughs> like this <laughs> next hour or this next day? Um, you know, now I kind of have a little bit of the luxury to, to plan ahead, but um, you know, as a, as a 19 year old kid, um, you know, just everything was just like right here, right now, yeah. not thinking about too much about the future, you know, obviously getting married is something that, that we'd both talked about, both wanted to do. Um, but yeah, having going to the same school that, that just made it that much, that much easier. Yeah. Well, sure. So every time we hear the question, who elopes and gets married in Lai Hawaii temple, we just tell them, well, the Rutgers do that. <laughs> and, you, and you did it August 20th, 2014, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, so it was, so at that point in time, um, from when you are baptized a new member of the church, which I had been um, a year and two days prior to, <laughs> uh, to when we decided to get married in Hawaii. Um we, yeah, we made that decision. Like it was the perfect time for me. It was, it was right after, um, we did, it, I had got done with uh, summer baseball. So a lot of times, like after the college season is done, players will go and play like a summer collegiate baseball season. Um, you may have heard of the Cape Cod league or there's some other, um, summer baseball leagues that are around. They usually play for a month or two, um, all across the country. Um, but it was between that and then when school started, 
Yeah. So that was kind of like the perfect time that we had um, kind of spaced out for that. And, um, you know, being a convert to the church and my parents not being members, they, they were not going to be able to, um, you know, observe right. ordinance play, taking place in the temple. Um, so, so a little bit out of fairness, a little bit out of simplicity, um, we decided to go to Hawaii and we had honeymoon and wedding and all that in Hawaii. It was a place that, um, you know, just like in terms of like destinations, like, like how beautiful to do all that stuff in Hawaii. Um, but yeah, I mean, her, her parents knew about it. Um, my, my parents knew about it. Um, yeah, it was just like, it was just me and my wife and we were there in Hawaii and we had, um, in the ceiling room, just kind of just different people workers that were there that were witnesses. And I think at the time they kind of like maybe felt bad or they, they didn't, I don't think they like quite understood the circumstances of yeah. why we were doing what we're doing. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's certainly unique, but, um, you know, they, they actually had like thrown like a little reception for us. Like after we, um, That's after cool. we were sealed and we're like, Oh, like, we actually like have to take pictures. Like we paid for this photographer. Like <laughs> we stayed in like, we're, we're going to go eat like, at seven like guys. Two different... Yeah. So we would, you know, it was, you know, we were really poor at the time, but um, you know, we had this like little um, butt thing on the beach that we rented for super cheap. And um, yeah, but yeah, really the only thing that we had paid for was a photographer just to be able to, to capture what we had done. But yeah, the, hey, the poor, nice people poor, of poor Hawaii that a... set up a little, Poor is just a state of mind. You guys, were, you guys were wealthy and in love because you were had all kinds of stuff. We got a picture up of you in Sydney that, that folks can see. Now, Sydney told me a story, and I included it in that article, um, which was interesting. So, so you, you go and you get elope and get married there, and just kind of the people around you there, complete strangers, rally around you. Then when right. you make your Major League debut at Nationals Park, it all happened so fast that you didn't have time for any family to come watch you make your first major league appearance. Uh, and so Sid's up there uh, sitting with the crowd and she sees you walk out and she starts crying. And then a guy from a few rows over goes, is that your husband down there? And, and she, and she said, yes. And, and then all of a sudden the section starts cheering for you, even though they're wearing their national shirts because you're pitching for the Cubs. I mean, how ironic that uh, that strangers were there to support you as you were married, and then a group of strangers are there to support Sydney as she's watching you make your Major League Baseball debut. Yeah. I. Um, it's really just, you know, you perfectly painted that uh, parallel, but just to have, like, a couple of the biggest moments in my life to, you know, I mean, just the circumstances around it, like not being able to have family, like it's a bummer, but um, it happened. They're able to watch on TV. They've been to several games since. Um, but yeah, just uh, um, it kind of, I guess, puts a little bit more faith in humanity for me Yeah. Uh, that there are, you know, nice, like random people that, you know, before, you know, moments before, had no idea who you are, but the, the next moment, um, you know, they're rooting for you, cheering for you, 
uh, wanting the best for you. Uh, I don't, I don't know. And I probably not hoping to have too many uh, strangers in the, in the hospital room for <laughs> oh, the birth please. of my first child. No, don't even say <laughs> no. that. We don't want to jinx that. But we, uh, that we, 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 we'd probably be the next uh, no. life moment. But, uh, hey, the, the, but the, yeah. The fact that those That's two awesome. parallels are there, the uniqueness makes it memorable. And it makes it, it's just cool. It really is cool that those, sure. two, those two parallels. So you know, uh, the thing I respect about Michael is, is that um, he made the right decision. His story's a lot like Kellen Moore's. So, so, and Kellen's from Prosser, Washington, and uh, he dated an LDS girl his, his whole life, Julie, Julie Wilson. She came down to BYU, tried to convince him to come. Oh, no, he went to Boise State and was a three-time All-American and went to the NFL. But he finally decided to get baptized and do the right thing. But Michael made the decision quicker to get to BYU. Yeah. So, so we respect Michael more than Kellen. And it's been fun. I've, <laughs> I've had a chance to call your games on BYU TV and – just a fantastic picture. Better human being, and 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 I'm just so glad you're not on the White Sox. None of this interview has to say, and good luck with the White Sox. We don't even have to go there, which is which is awesome. All right, Blaine's got five quick yeah. questions for you. You just answer these. Right. Just about the first thing that comes to your mind, um, so everybody gets to know you a little bit better. What's your favorite sports movie? So I'm not a big movie guy personally, but I think uh, Longest Yard is hilarious. Oh, <laughs> the Longest Yard. That's, that's the first one that's done that. Actually, my son Gavin would probably say, "Yep, longest yard." That's a, it's hilarious. Okay, favorite singer or band? Mm, so I've been on my workout playlist. I have a lot of Jack Harlow. Oh, all right. I don't think anybody said Jack Harlow. I like Jack. Harlow. I don't know who it is, but I, I'm sure he's great. I'll let you listen to some later. I got some <laughs> on my on my play. Okay, favorite breakfast cereal? I'm gonna go with Cocoa Puffs. Yes. See, so we're on a great streak. Just so you know, Michael, anybody that does like a healthy cereal, we just make fun of them because none no, of us. Have, yeah. It's a good cereal. It doesn't have to be good for you. Cereal. No, we, we want to we work out. We can eat whatever we want for yeah. breakfast. Yep. There good. Go. Glenn Kozlowski, <laughs> one of the all-time great receivers, um, was on for BYU, also with the Chicago Bears. He was on. His was Captain Crunch. We respected that. We also respect Coca Puffs. Street sure. cred went way up. So favorite Major League Baseball batter to strike out? I'm going to answer this maybe a little bit differently okay than maybe what you're expecting we were expecting to shout think, out bryce harper but that, we're not i i think that um if i had which i obviously wouldn't have the chance but i think striking out babe ruth would be oh so cool. okay so that's of all time that would be your favorite person and michael that's yes. safe that's a safe answer too because you're not going to face babe ruth in yeah. this upcoming season so but you might they, face they, somebody they thought you might go bryce harper you i thought you might, might just shout bryce. bryce harper and would have uh Yep, we have two great Latter Day Saints yeah, duking it out. The Cubs haven't let me face him, so I don't know. They, so, oh, they just, you like, and he's out with. A, they don't want that, like, like that they, clash of yeah, Mormonism. That, that would, no, they don't want that. That would be too I much. Know, I don't know. It, it could cause all kinds of problems. You know, we so. had that uh, last week or a week and a half ago. BYU played Stanford, and Jaron Hall and Tanner McKee, two return missionaries, duking it out on national TV. At that level of football at for the very first time at quarterback. That was kind of cool. And both NFL prospects. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But when you and Harper uh, go head to head, my money's on you, by the yep. way. And then uh, he's got it. He had Tommy John surgery, so he's going to miss a whole lot of the yeah. season coming up. When, but uh, I think he's supposed to be back, what, in July, maybe August? When, when, when yeah. You... To, I mean, with that being said, like as a DH, he was awesome for them. So no. it was, it was if fun you do, to watch If you do ever get a chance to face him, please just throw a high inside fastball like you were going to do to me just to brush him <laughs> back. So, and that'll be the signal to me 
that that you want you want to face him that, and you might take that to the short porch if so, you get something inside. Okay. And la- and last question, your favorite BYU memory. And it doesn't have to be a baseball memory. It could be any memory of BYU, just your favorite memory of your time at BYU. Um probably one of my more like memorable times is like the the first time I ever stepped on BYU campus. Like it was just um I was actually at the camp uh, a baseball camp and my, my dad was with me. It was a uh, Sunday, but we were just like going from our hotel. Like the camp was like the next day over the course of summer. And just to be able to go on the campus and just experience it for the first time. Um, it was just, could just tell then that, that it was a special place to be able to, to go up the steps. I wouldn't realize like how, how many times I'd have to go up the steps to <laughs> yeah. get up to get up to campus. But, um, but yeah, I just remember how how special that was, and um, you know, I just I look back back at my time at BYU and just think nothing but great memories. That's um, awesome. You know, just a, to be able to time to connect with you know teammates, coaches, um, all the guys and ladies that I you know shared classes with, and um, it's just a place where you know I really you know, grew into the man that I am today. So. Super grateful for my experiences at BYU. The Cubs open the 2023 season Thursday, March 30th against Milwaukee at Wrigley Field. We hope to see you on the mound that day. Uh, enjoy your break with uh, with Sydney. Best of luck with the coming season, but don't think about it yet. Just give yourself <laughs> a few more weeks, and then you can start thinking about it. And we want to we want you to commit to coming back on the show after uh, your firstborn is born, whenever that occurs. Because then your life will have been, <laughs> the life you know will have been turned upside down, and we want to talk Michael, to you about that. I do that. not want to hear about any strangers in that room, please. <laughs> so, thanks for coming no, on. Fingers, fingers crossed. No guarantees. But. <laughs> hey, say hi to Sydney yeah. and your family. Yeah, and, absolutely. And thank you again right. for being with us. Great thank you, guys. You. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Blaine. You got yeah. it. The great appreciate, Michael appreciate Rucker. Having me. You got it. Chicago Cubs pitcher. Pitched a lot this yeah. This past season, he's going to pitch a lot more coming up because he goes in and he gets out. He usually right. comes in like the sixth yep. inning, the seventh inning. He gets out and doesn't give up very many runs. Under four, yep. three-ish, as I think was the quote. You, th- you think about it, he appeared in 41 games for the Cubs this this last year. So he's getting a lot of work and establishing himself. Um, so it's, I, I can't wait to see him face Bryce. That's, I can't wait for that. And another good season or two, oh, and yeah. then he's up for some serious money. Right. And, right, which and, we're which we're we're hoping for for him, yeah. for Sydney, absolutely. What a great night with Kozlowski, uh, with Glenn Kozlowski and 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 Michael Rucker uh, on our show. Ty Detmer and is going to join us next week on the Wise Guys, and and uh, Mark Durant's going to be here with us as well as we we grow this show worldwide. Everybody follow Mark Durant time. on Twitter this week until next week, and then. You'll even enjoy it more next week because he's one of the great Twitter follow, follows. In our final six minutes, before we do a couple of picks and uh, this day in history, let's go back to what we started talking about uh, at the beginning with uh, Glenn Kozlowski and the transfer portal. Right. And I'm just going to ask you a question that Cougar Nation uh, wants to know. Uh, why is Jacob Conover in the transfer portal? Yeah, and so so – Everybody's like, oh, there's some, there must be something wrong. And so Jacob Conover's been here three years, right? And and over a period of three years, the coaching staff and Jacob are going to figure out um, whether or not he's a fit for this offense and yeah. and whether or not they think he's the guy they're going to move forward with. Um, and, and 
obviously after three years, it's not the case, right? He's not going to be. So there's there's nothing behind the scenes on it. Um, it just didn't work out. Yeah, it just it, it didn't work out. He obviously he must not feel like they feel like he's the guy because if he felt like he was the starter moving forward and 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 it was his job. He wouldn't be transferring, right? And 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 BYU must not feel like he is, or they would have indicated to him, no, you don't need to leave. You're the guy. Yeah. So mutually, what happens is you go, you know what? It's it's not a great fit right here. They, I know they think the world of him. He's Jake's a great human being, and so this is the nature of college football now. Um, and think about it. There's quarterbacks are playing musical chairs all over the country, and BYU's going to get somebody out of the transfer portal that's going to come in, right. um, that, that, that's going to compete for that job this next year. And so that's the nature of how things work now, especially with the transfer portal out there and no penalty for transferring. And uh, and when somebody goes, um, you got to thank them for the time that they've been here. He's been a, one incredible human being while he's right. been here. And you wish him the very best. We want You want Jacob Conover to have a phenomenal success wherever he goes and hopefully he finds a place in an offense that fits his skill set the best where he can thrive and do great things that that's it that's all there is to it a few more guys announced they're leaving defensive end logan fano who tours acl in springs we never actually saw him in a uniform offensive lineman campbell barrington who's been hurt this year yeah wide receiver terrence fall uh all in the portal uh who's not in the portal three all-americans uh freshman all-americans announced today with micah harper cody epps Offensive lineman Kingsley Suamataia. Great, that was great work with that last name, by the Thank way. Thank you. Three big pieces that are going to the Big Twelve with BYU. Right, and and here's what here's what people are going to have to get used to. There's going to be a list of, you know, three, six, nine, every year, moving forward. Um, and there's also going to be a list of three, six, nine coming in, coming in, coming in. That's the nature of college football. And there's a lot of things that influence that. It's playing time and thinking you can get more someplace else. It's the right fit or, or not the right fit. It's NIL opportunities, you know, perhaps because uh, – and, and this is something that does concern me. I believe, and, and I don't have any specifics to throw out there, but that there's – there are folks out there in different and uh, tied to different programs that are using NIL deals to try to recruit people away all the time at yeah. this point. Friends of the program right. can and, call and, and so, say, I can get you more money. Yeah, over here. what do you what are you getting there? I'm not saying that's happening with anybody that's going with BYU right now. I, I don't actually don't think that's the case, but I'm I'm hearing about you have an issue right now where NIL is out there. The NCAA hasn't really wrapped its arms around it. It's just a free for all for right now. And I think in the long term there will be some guidelines that are put around it as it gets more and more out of hand. But but the, the whole idea that if a high school senior quarterback at Miami is getting $9 million. You, you telling me that behind the scenes there aren't programs out there going, hey, what? Do you, you're only getting $30,000? This is a hypothetical. Please, right. everyone. You're only getting 30000 at BYU? Do you know what? We, we could probably get you a hundred here. Yeah. Um, and so you start – we're going to see transfers because of NIL moving forward. And I don't think I like that. Uh, I don't it, think I like that. Especially if it works. Yeah. Like like a program goes, look, we bought these guys. Remember Nick Saban kind yeah. of accused Texas A&M of buying every one of their recruits. Uh, it might not have been cash payments, but he wasn't wrong. Right. And, and he, he wasn't wrong. It's and the, the enticed problem, with the NIL. The problem is there now is um, back in the day, and I'm not talking that long ago, five years ago you couldn't buy players away legally. Yeah. Now there's not a lot of guidelines around that. And so technically – things could go to the highest bidder at this point 
in the recruiting process, whether it's for current players in the transfer portal or for players coming out of high school, I, I don't think I like that. I this, want some more guidance from the NCAA. This might be just what brings Jerry Tarkanian back from the dead. Just so we can say, Jerry, I told you so. Everything Jerry Tarkanian <laughs> did back in the day it's is It's all is, on is the table now. now. And it's the final four is going to Vegas. Yeah, exactly. It was like, all the cows are out of the barn, oh as John goodness. Robinson used to say. Yep. Our college football picks, we both went five and three last week. Yeah. We've had pretty good seasons. Uh, Army-Navy is the only college game coming up on Saturday. Who do you like? I respect that game so much. I love the game. I, I, I cannot go against my guy, Ken Niamatololo, and Navy. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and neither can throw the ball if their life depended yeah. on it. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm going to go because I like the yeah, coach. We'll both go with Navy. Cougars in the NFL. Zach Wilson still waiting for his chance to get back He'll in. Get back in there. They're somewhere. taking the Bills on. That's going to be a tough one for for the backup. And here's the thing that's ironic for me. So the Bills, their quarterback is considered one of the best quarterbacks in football. Did people remember that in his first two seasons he had the lowest completion percentage of any quarterback in the National Football League? Clearly the Jets don't remember. But the Buffalo Bills are a little more patient with their guys than the New York Jets are. I'll just yeah. say that at this point. Okay? Come on, Jets. Come on, Jets. Sione Takitaki out for the season yes, with an ACL. I just I'm heard so that. Bummed. I'm heartbroken for Sione because he's playing so well and he's such a good guy. Um, and so Sione out. Um, the Vikings against Jamal Williams and the Lions, 14 touchdowns. Is too shy of breaking. Do I dare even say Barry uh, well, he needs Sanders? Two to record. tie. Two to tie. One more to break. Yes. That's uh, for single season touchdowns in Lions history. Unbelievable. And he just he leads the league in. He, in you can't stop him at the goal line. Yeah. Uh, although I traded him uh, to Andrew. So, somebody from Detroit tweeted out the three three certainties in life. Um, death, taxes, and Jamal Williams scoring a touchdown. <laughs> 14 of them. That's a lot. Uh, Fred Warner is going to be at home this weekend to take on the Buccaneers. He's so fun to watch yep. play linebacker. And, and the Panthers and Brady Christensen are going to uh, be at the Seahawks this week. Dolphins and Chargers, uh, Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis back in action for uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, hey, And uh, Taysom Hill and uh, um, the Saints have a bye um, How about that catch well, last right, night? Dan Danny Sorensen. Yeah, the long one. Yeah. Danny Sorensen also with the Saints, we should note. So, uh, uh, the Falcons also off. Tyler Algier. I, I got a text from Tyler today. He's doing great. Great. And yeah. uh, has some time to rest his body. And, and Dax Mill and the Commanders are off, off this week. In fact, Dax is playing uh, that night game now on the 18th. That's right. The one and that caused the flex of the So of the thanks bowl. to Dax, the Cougars are playing in primetime on Which Saturday. Which I like on ABC um, instead, of ES, instead of ESPN. So. All right. In our final minute together, December 6th. I can't believe it's December 6th. Yeah. December 6th in history. So we'll start with 1865. Um, the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is ratati uh, ratified abolishing slavery. How about that? On this day, 1865. Yep. How about 1876. The first crematorium in the U.S. begins operations in Washington and Pennsylvania. Like, wow. like, who came up with that idea? I'm out of business, and we'll <laughs> this just, is what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah, we'll do, we'll, yeah. And today, all those years ago, they were open for business. How, how about a year later, 1877, the Washington Post published its first edition. The Washington Post. 1947, the Everglades National Park. Dedicated by President Truman. Have you ever gone on one of those fan boats in the Everglades? No, but I we remember we did in New Orleans. Yeah, we did in New Orleans. It was pretty that cool. That was awesome. So, um, 1960, Major League Baseball grants Gene Autry a baseball franchise called the Los Angeles Angels. How about that? Yep. 
1964, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer debuts on television. Yeah, and Burl I- wasn't Burl Ives the host? I think he's in there. Yeah, he's like the he's host the with the most. He's the snowman guy. He's so. That's such a great show. Yep. Oh, I love it. 1992, Jerry Rice catches his NFL record 101st career touchdown against Miami at Candlestick Park. Was Steve Young throwing it to him by then? 92 probably was Steve, wasn't it? So 101 touchdowns. Yeah, it was Steve by then. That's awesome. So. Uh, one notable death in 343 A.D., St. Nicholas, the Greek bishop who became the model for Santa Claus. Died on this day, AD? 343 AD. Wow. Wow. All right. So we have Rudolph and, and we have we have St. Nicholas here in December. We also have Caleb Chapman ready to sing Rise and Shout. Well, set the tone for the it. holidays. Oh, yeah. Perform it with the saxophone. Yeah, he's going to play it on the saxophone. And uh, that's going to set the tone. So the next 25 seconds or 25 seconds of bliss. The great uh, Caleb Chapman. Thanks to Glenn Kozlowski, Ernie Kuyper, and Michael Rucker for being with us tonight on The Wise Guys. Next week, Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer, BYU radio basketball analyst Mark Durant will be here. Lots to talk about, and we've got hoops tomorrow. Yep, we got it tomorrow. And, hey, from Willy Wonka, remember what happened to the little boy that suddenly had everything he always wanted. What? He lived happily ever after, of course. (laughs) For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. Thanks for watching the Wise Guys podcast. will be up tomorrow. Tell your friends as we gather the largest uh, collection of BYU fans around the world for this show each week and and uh, and look for our email as well. And uh, let's go to a ball game tomorrow night. Let's do it. See you guys.